Updog fella. Look good, feel good, play good. We got some new Adidas golf swag coming the fella's way. I don't know if any new golf swag would help your game, but, but I love it. Adidas is excited to introduce new offerings within the go-to apparel collection that allows you to bring your style to the golf course. Not the traditional golf uniform. Go-to brings a fresh attitude to the game wherever you play. You'll look good on and off the course while enjoying all the technical benefits that let you play your best. Featuring streetwear-inspired style, the go-to collection rewrites all the rules and encourages you to express your style through every swing. Explore the new go-to collection on adidas.com golf, fella. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is Dan Murphy in Vancouver, and you're listening to The Beauties on Missing Curfew. Welcome to a fresh episode of Missing Curfew. I'm Shane O'Brien. And I'm sitting across from you. I'm Scotty Upshaw. Fellas, I'm back from Bar, Mexico. I'm back in Alberta. Yes, you are. We got to talk about that tan or lack thereof one, Princey. And as always, our boy Broadway Jimmy Scoops looking down, and we are coming to you from Hall Pass Media in beautiful Newport Beach. Princey, how was it, buddy? How was it? How was it? Oh, boys, it was amazing, amazing to get away. Get I love Alberta. You guys know I love Alberta, but man, I've been wanting to get away for so long. So awesome time, great sun, good good time to hang out with my wife and kids. It, it was a blast, boys. I I, I missed watching hockey though. What's it like going to Mexico with kids? <laughs> I've only gone, and I guess I could say I've been there with kids because I brought flowers to Mexico before. Um, <laughs> but, like, tell me, is it like, are you worried about them drinking the ice cubes, the water? Are they like, Dad, like, let's go to the pool? Like, what, what, what's it like? It, it definitely wasn't uh, spring break 2013 that I did with the boys. That's, that's for sure the last time I went to Mexico. But... It's, it's an experience, you know, you got to give and take with kids, you know, they've got schedules, they've got food that they like, you know, sometimes you just got to throw the playbook right out the window, but I, I'm glad I got to do it with my sons, I, you know, I haven't been able to travel with them at all, we've been locked down in Canada, so, you know, the airport, oh, I don't even want to get into that one, that's, that's a tough time going through the airport with kids, it's rough. That's why I don't have kids, one of the reasons, <laughs> well, one of them. that's one why. of the reasons, it's one of the big reasons. Like, fuck. And you've been pulling out. Well, it's just like, when I think about having kids, I'm like, fuck. I mean, drive, the airport is one of the things that, you know, you got to you know, really think about. Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough. In, in fact, talking about that, uh, Izzy and Christina went to Aspen yesterday. And they spent a cool, I don't know, eight and a half hours at the Denver airport only to get in an Uber. Go buy uh, a pack and play, some bed sheets, some pajamas, because all the all the luggage stayed on the airplane. And they're like, "I'm not sleeping here in Denver." So they jumped in an Uber with a guy who couldn't speak English, and drove. drove four and a half hours in blizzarding, blizzarding snow. Of course, I was talking to them every like 20 minutes, making sure everything's okay. But uh, you know, needless to say, Izzy, just a complete little rock star, managed to uh, you know she got in at like 1:30 a.m. and 
bounced around for a bit on FaceTime. And then, uh, but that's just having kids, man. It's crazy. They and adapt that, well, yeah. though. And so you got to be ready. That's just Aspen in general, too. That could happen to you where you get stuck in Denver and you're fucking, they're like, sorry, we can't get you in there. Yeah, and you're you in either one. Uber it or, so they Ubered it up get there. Get in the chopper. That's, I made that drive. <laughs> Me, Fact Daddy, Dan Winnick. And a few of a uh, few girlfriends that we met at the time, they were from ASU or something in or Arizona, and we drove there. The drive there, I was like all fired up. But that four-hour drive back after All Star break, when you haven't really been fucking, <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> boys are sleeping in the back. I'm like, come on, fellas. I don't mind driving in the snow. When you're hungover after a four-day bender, though, yeah, whatever. Those mountains, are like, Put right, the-, the mountains are right there. I'm like, fucking, I'm, 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 I get white knuckle her. <laughs> so what? Princey, what what do you got a little funny story for the boys here on your Mexico? Yeah, you had a few too many, didn't you? Yeah, I didn't go too wild because I was only there for six days and I was with my family. And, you know, you guys talk about playing guilty, you know, the next day or whatever. That's the same thing when you got kids. You know you're playing guilty when you got to wake up with them. So I didn't go too crazy. There was one night where, you know what, the, the margaritas, they were just going and they were tasting good. I was making one of those little snake, you know, when the Minnesota Wild, they put all the beers here. They make the big snake. I made one myself and... I, you know, I had a, a little bit of a, a, a you know, blackout night where I don't really remember much. And I, I woke up the next morning super early, go to get the kid or whatnot. I'm checking my phone and I see this clip all over the Internet on everybody's social media page for hockey. It's the clip where Brandon Tanev is chirping. I think it was Jeff Skinner. Yeah, you know, it was telling awesome. He sucks. And like, how the fuck did you get paid or whatever? And I, I saw the clip and I was like, damn, like. I missed it. I didn't get it. Like I, I can't believe I missed on that That's one. That's not so I like my you. Phone... That's not like you, Princey. <laughs> I, put, I put my phone down and I went to the beach and went somewhere, or whatever. And I came back and I checked all the notifications. I did it. I got it. And I do. I have no recollection of posting <laughs> that, that video at all. And I was the first one to do it. So oh, heads up, I, guys, even when I'm drunk, I could do it. If that's the I, worst I, thing I you do when you're pinned, I was just going to say, yeah. you fucking dodged the bullet. Because if that would have been me blacked out, I would. who knows where I would have ended up. <laughs> You'd have been deep in the DMs, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> there was no spelling mistakes either. Oh, my um, marriage would have been over. Caption, different caption on it, Twitter than Instagram. So, I mean, I got through it, but we were still the first ones. All of a sudden, you get the Spanish, English, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the fucking translate app going. You're just, where am I? Just in the depth, was, the depth of the internet. So darkness. Choked, so the choked that, we, that I woke up and thought that I didn't get that. I was so choked. And turns out I was the first one to get it. It was a great chirp, right? It's, it's a great yeah, chirp because oh, he's yeah. like, how the fuck did you get paid? And I, I have a response. No one knows. And then no. people obviously chimed in. They're like, he scored 41. Yeah, I forgot Skinner scored 40. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, he was yeah, a sought-after so. kid, and he signed that extension. Correct? So yeah. Yeah. It's a great chirp by Tanif. And then if you're Skinner, it's a chirp that doesn't really sting you. Because you're like, I'm making no. a little, like, what is he making, nine bananas? Yeah, up there. I think so it's you're like, nine. whatever, Tanif. I'm making nine. Yeah, you're you don't right. Care. I don't deserve it, but, I mean, I'm making nine. Care. Yeah, yeah. He was a good little player when he was in Carolina, too. Good edge like he, he, Yeah, he deserved it all. He, was, he performed in playoffs and... Good edge work. He's like a figure skater out there. I was going to say, I remember when he first came in the league, he was just like... Fairy tale Skinner. He was opening the hips up. I was like, oh, yeah, this guy go? It's impressive. I thought with the new rules and stuff, he would actually be a guy that benefited from it. But... Not in Buffalo. Yeah, but you still Buffalo, where careers go to die. Yeah, it's true. Poor Ocposo. This guy's been there for <laughs> forever. Yeah, he's another guy, though. His contract's fucking insane, too, isn't it? Speaking of the old 10 and 2, did you see Kale McCarr? He's having a good year. He's did got you see our boy points. Kale McCarr last night? In Philly, go what a complete snipe. coast to coast. What a snipe. But like he looked like he was going to maybe drop pass, and then he did the old 10 and 2 on the blue line, his own blue line. He's so sick. And then he just said, fuck it, these guys suck. I'm just going to skate past all of them score. <laughs> hey, hey, listen. <laughs> and sure did he. Their PP breakout 
is exactly that. Makar comes up and either he, if he, if he wants to drop yeah. it or not, and then if he drops it, he drops it to 29, coming 110. It's a fucking flying V. It's a flying V. They get in every time. Like, I don't know how you could physically stop them because when he lays it back to 29, coming 110, what are you going to do? I don't think it's 110. I think it's 120. 120, hey? He's Slow down. Um, Skinner's up. He's got eight goals, eight assists, 16 points, minus six. Mm, it's not better. bad. It's not bad. Um, Prince, you got a question about the good life gear in Canada? I've had some people reach out to me about that as well. What's your question oh, on that? Boy. Boys, I'm rocking the good life gear right now. As you oh, can wow. see on here, I got a nice baby blue tarp on. I was finally able to get good life in Canada. And it goes back to when you guys were at the good life store and they had mentioned that, you know, it's tough to get it in Canada. You can, you can message them directly and they'll send it. But if you're in Canada, there's a store called Nordstrom and they had a wicked sale on Black Friday. So I loaded it up on some good life stuff. So that's what I'm just telling our listeners in Canada. If you really want that good life and it's tough to get, Go to Nordstrom. It's always by the bay and the mall. They got tons of stuff, and I'm loving it. Grab some ginch while you're there. Does the promo code work at Nordstrom's door? Hey, do you go up there and just no, say, hey, promo code problem. curfew? Hey, flyers. <laughs> <laughs> fucking flyers. Hey, Jobo. <laughs> flyers. Just fucking go up to that uh, Go up to that bridge, that fucking coin thing. That's there one of the greatest stories. You ever. don't need to put the quarters in. Just yell flyers. That is one of the greatest fucking stories. flyers. And what, the guy was like a check or something? Yeah, he couldn't speak a lick English. Everyone's honking at him. Oh, fuck, that's great. Princey, welcome home, buddy. I'm glad you had a good time that Mexico. I got to get down there in the New Year. I'm going to go to Cabo, though, and really. Let's get BQ out there. Fucking Quinter, he's coming here in January to play some golf, so we'll, we'll run is. it by him. Yeah, sweet. I love Cabo. Cabo's the best. Whew, it's the best. So, Princey, Cabo welcome home, buddy. Your flames are still cooking. Um, up dog. Our good friends at DraftKings, I got to talk about something here. The first period overs, baby. God Shout out to my boy, Tom Riley, good Canyon boy. I remember at Big Canyon for us. I sat down, had lunch with him last week, and I said, fuck, you know, what have you been betting hockey? He said, I'm taking a lot of first period overs. I said, all right. I'm six for eight in first period overs. And I Don't should be giving be, this away right I now. I know, are but I really fucking, should be six for six. Our listeners are listening. We got all those handicappers. They're going to fucking bump that shit up. I know. But it's one and a half no matter what. DraftKings, your, Draft li- your lines are perfect right now. It is Keep winner, them. winner, chicken dinner. Do you ever bet the first period over? Yeah, you told me to. We took uh, we took the oil and yeah. Phoenix the one night, and then we took uh, the Golden Knights, and they finally fucking stepped it up. I, I need the Golden Knights here. Hey, you called that, by the way, the Golden Knights-Phoenix game. You, you talked about it last week on the pod. You're like, it's going to be a shootout. Yeah. It was a one-way shootout, but it was um, a shootout. No. They beat them 7-1. That's right. So you were fucking bang on on that one, fella. Obes, I like when you get hot. It's our boy Jimmy looking down on you. Scoopsy. If I just did, he likes the overs too. I know I he's know. up there. Just and that's the thing. You, when chops. you turn the game on, you don't have to cheer for a Pacific team. You just go, let's go, boys. Let him buck Diddy. So anytime a team gets a power play, you're fired up. Like, here, here, here's my chance. First period overs. I'm just telling you, they've been they've been rock. So do you pick me. like one, two games a night and and hammer it? Like well, do you, for do example, you look, what do you look at? Last what? night I took Avalanche Flyers. It hit. Then I got a little fucking greedy. I went Phoenix, Dallas on the over, and it didn't hit. They won 4-1, but I, I, they didn't hit. I just thought Dallas would come up and get a couple early ones. Um, but tonight, for example, let's have a little peek. See here. Hey, dog. speaking of the over, though, let me touch on this. Yep. Last night, watching, uh, we're watching football. You know, complete awful game. I can't believe Bill Belichick wins. How about that throwing fucking, the ball three times? It's that's insane. insane. But that win, you got to be a diehard football fan to go and to stand get out that. there. Come on, like, and they are in Buffalo. I know, but that's where you're like, let's just go to Chippewa. We'll watch it on TV. Like, let's say that was the worst football fucking, game I've maybe ever watched. You put no ornaments on the tree. You have some eggnog. It's fucking pull a log on the fire. You don't go to the game. They need. A, they need actually. I saw some people on social media that 
I've never been to a game in Buffalo, um, but maybe it's time for a new stadium that has a you know a roof of some sort. How about a yeah? Because it's it's not a fair game that game. Like I mean, that was not fun to watch on Monday night, and for the guys, like can't be enjoyable to play in. I just I like the way the fourth quarter went. My boy Allen was starting to chuck it. I needed him to get a touchdown. I lost by like four points. He could only throw it to the left side of the field because the other way would push it it this way. So he could throw it to the left side of the field, but the other way it was like sailing on him. So so I had the double TV going last night. I had the hockey game on. I had the Avs-Flyers game. That's a nice touch. And after, it was me, me, our boy Cody, and Loops. We're watching the game, and and the Flyers game comes on. It's fucking start of the second period. It's it's 3-1, 4-1. And fucking, I look at the the live line, DraftKings, it's 12 and a half for the over-under. I'm like, what the fuck? 12, the Flyers 12 and a half after the first period became the over, and guess what it was? It was 12. Wow. I mean. I watched that first period of that game. I would have not, I would have bet my left nut that the Flyers weren't going to score five goals in that game. Big night of hockey here tonight. Huge night. Fuck. Huge night. Tron. But yeah, the first period overs, baby, I'm telling you. That's, How about that's, Florida at St. Louis? That is a fucking. Is that gonna be a shootout? I see. For me, the one that jumps out tonight, Tuesday. This won't come out till Thursday, but Blue Jackets, Maple Leafs. I'm gonna take the over in that. Um, the Panthers, twi- Blues, maybe. Are Rangers, Blackhawks, hundred percent first period over. What do you think about the Islanders? Are they gonna get a win? We're gonna talk about the Islanders. We're gonna get to that. So DraftKings first period over is up, dog. I think you gotta start playing them. Yeah, I'm in. Okay, Princey, you in? Uh, I am in. I'm in. I said, I like the Oilers wild. Those up, are two high scoring teams. Oilers and wild. They are two high scoring teams. Up dog, mm-hmm. our boy Eddie Oldchuck. The other night I was watching the game, and like they're always talking about offense, right? Like we need more offense. We need more offense. I'm like, yeah, yeah, fuck. Yeah, well, I guess I'm much. taking the first period overs. So like we do need more offense. So, Eddie, I'm with you here. But he said, and I wanted to get your opinion because you're a forward. As a defenseman, when he said this, he said, oh, and I respect Eddie. Oh, he's, he's so good. He's legend. such a beauty. He's a legend. He said, why don't we get the long change in the first and third period instead of just the second period? Now, I'm watching the game as a defense and seeing, I'm going, easy, Eddie, easy. Because as a D-man, that long change is a nightmare in that second period. You get caught out there. But tired defensemen will lead to more scoring chances. As a four, what do you think of that? Do you think that's something the NHL may look into someday, having the long change in the first and third? I mean, do you get a lot of offensive chances leaving the box? Like, you know, nowadays these kids, you know, you're able to jump, right? Like jumping the zone is actually, it, it became a tactic from coaches probably like five or six years ago. As soon as your D get the puck, you blow out. Yeah, yeah. Bring that D as far out as you can. Now okay. from from a change, um, you know, I think it's important that these, uh, you know, that, that D, you know, do fucking get tired it's nice to keep a defenseman out there for a while and like all of a sudden duncan, all feeling. of a sudden duncan keith who can you know skate laps for two minutes long you know he gets caught out there with a long long change and then any sort of you know that you know what it really affects the play when the, when the long change happens always is when you dump it out of your zone and you just can't get off oh yeah so it's not so much like the play of of holy shit like you know it's a longer way to the bench. It's like, you can't fucking get, you, you just can't get there. Um, well, you can if you want to hang out your other D partner for the minor. Yeah, Say, yeah, go, yeah. Go, Sometimes you're straight legged. Go fucking change. The old strutty, the shift. <laughs> oh, buddy. Hey? I told the boys at NHLXM, uh, Jakey, Brucey, and Cooley, they never seen that shift. We were talking about long, like long, I go, do yourself a favor. 
Go watch Jason Strudwick, The Shift. The Shift. That's a prime example of the long change. Totally. <laughs> he wasn't getting out of that zone. Um, yeah, shout out to my boys, Jason Greger and, and Strudwick. Yeah. I had fun with them on yeah. the pod they're, last year. They're good guys. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a great, I think Eddie probably touches on it. He probably has great conversations with like some of the league execs and, you know, a lot of hockey minds on how to make the game, you know, a little more exciting. I think right now is a lot of fucking scoring. I think there should be more, you know, toughness. More hitting. A little more hitting. I'm with you on that. Well, the stars are throwing the body around. The stars are doing some fucking, we're going to get to those guys too. So I just thought it was a unique, it's the first, I've ever heard that before. It was the first time I've ever heard anyone, I've never thought about, you know, making the long change the first and third. Imagine trying to hold a lead in the third with the long change. Yeah, I mean, it's... fuck, it would be dangerous. It'd be dangerous. Like, imagine that. Like, if you if you didn't get it out and didn't turn over, it could cost you. Like, I think I asked you before this thing, but could there be a coin flip for anything in hockey, like in football? Like, could you like win something off the coin flip and then begin the game, like maybe with a power play or something? I don't know. Like, what what could, what could we do? Did you see what Sergey Fedorov? It teased me up to my next question. That I'm going to bring to you. Um, Sergey Fedorov in the Russian in the old fucking KHL in overtime three on three. He's pulling his goalie. He's going four on three, and he's won two games in a row doing it. So as soon as they get the fucking possession of the Bisky, it's yeah. Fuck, they come four on three. They've won two games in a row. And my question to you about three on three is, and listen, I hate the shootouts too. I'm not. <clears throat> I'm not saying I like the shootouts because I don't. But I watch these three on threes now up. And I'm blaming the coaches again. These fucking coaches have, you know, <laughs> learned how to fucking shut down a three on three. And now these teams get the puck, they get it inside the offensive zone, and then they take it all the way back in their end. And they come again, they take it all the way back. And I've watched overtimes this year where legitimately that's all it is. Yeah. Now, granted, if there is a breakdown, three on three is the best because it's two on one after two on one after two on one. But now when I watch three on three, I'm like, is there a rule we could bring in or. I don't know. These coaches have just fucked it all up. And now these I guys. I love, love, love that you think it's the coaches. And <laughs> it not is like, the coaches. And not like a Leon Dreisaitl like saying, fuck, you know what? I'm just going to take this biscuit back. You're like, fuck you, coach. <laughs> well, they've probably watched video being like, all right, this guy, we just told. Because no one four checks, obviously, three on three. Yeah. Which is all right. So here's here's maybe an idea. Have you noticed that? Or am I the, am yeah, I just... no, I think it started since, since, you know, three on three inception. I think it's been a regular case of. Sometimes bring it back, reset. Like I, I often think of um, a great play to me was when Kimo Timonen used to shoot the puck back at our own goalie. Like he'd great get the play. puck and, and there's a guy, you know, forechecking on him and he's got his back to the offensive zone and he shoots the puck like down the whole ice to our goalie and then the goalies just resets. And, and you could do that in overtime. You could do that anywhere. Now, if you have a goalie that can play the puck, that's even a better play because all of a sudden – the opposing team thinks they can change. And if it's the long change, like it usually is in overtime, yeah. it's fucking, it's quick up. See you later. It's but why don't we, why, why don't we talk about what, you know, how to answer this? What if, what if uh, you couldn't bring the, once you cross into the blue line, once you go in their zone, why, you can't leave or the face You can't bring it back outside of with your control. to your defensive zone. Yeah. It's like basketball. It's like you can't cross over the center line and then go back. Or yeah. you just take the two blue lines out for overtime and just say it's a fucking free-for-all. Just give her. There's no fucking offsides. It's every man from himself. It's a full ice FF. Or you can go. Remember we used to do this drill where you put the two nets in the one zone and you yeah. get, get the boys to go on the blue, on the blue line. <laughs> That's when you're coaching. And it's just a cage match. It yeah. just stays in there. No one changes. Fucking someone wins. Three guys leave with like cut, like no <laughs> eye, missing teeth. Remember this couple of people used to sit behind the net. We're like, hey, you uh, at the Anaheim Ice. Like, you, you might not want to sit there, buddy. Yeah, I miss those. There's fucking pucks full just whizzing in. I don't know. I just think, listen, I know we're joking around to a certain extent here, but 
when the first 303 first came out back in the day when we were playing, like it was it was a fucking free for all. Like guys were getting odd man rushes all the time. And I just think now what if they made adjustments? What if the coaches left and went in the dressing room? Yeah, see you later. And it was just players. Your night's over, boys. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's but listen, when there is a breakdown and a puck bounces at two on one, it's it's unbelievable because Ser- that, that guy gets a chance, that team gets a chance, that team gets a chance. Sergey Fedorov, what a legend. Sergey Fedorov to just coaches out the, there. Pulling the tendy. Pulls the tendy. He's two and oh. Is he coaching? He's coaching what's the it, fucking what, uh, Red Army Moscow. Of course Moscow. He is. Moscow? Moscow. He's got to be wearing some Do you think if suits? you're an NHL... Oh, yeah, his hair is just buzzing. Do you think if you're an NHL coach, you notice that probably, right? If I was an NHL GM, I might hire Steve Eisenman. How about you when you have puck possession? Steve Eisenman, what the fuck? You send the guy, and then the one guy sprints back to the bench, and then the goalie sprints. You can maybe do that. So you get four on three, and then when you lose possession, like lacrosse style, and the guy changes, the goalie goes back out. I don't know, something to think about. What if you put a defenseman had a blocker and a glove but he had his but he had his hockey stick and then all of a sudden you got like kale mccarr fucking with a blocker and glove on but he's he's able to get in the play and get back i mean it's 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 hilarious it's hilarious oh, at least the blocker i don't know it's it's some I, I just think these three on threes are getting a little bit boring Prince, have you noticed that at all watching the three on threes and the goalie mask <laughs> I'm going to take it in a, a different direction. I love the three on three. I think it's exciting whether or not these guys are regrouping and circling back in their own zone. It's, it's exciting when the team's got a big lead in possession and then they cough it up and it goes the other way. I was obviously out of the country. I didn't see much, but I got a good clip of the Pittsburgh Calgary game. That, that game looked pretty electric. So, you know, I, I see where you guys are coming, that, but I, I still think the three on three is electric. That was one of the worst three on threes I watched. Thank you. Calgary, what? Pittsburgh. It was fucking brutal. <laughs> it was what? fucking brutal. I don't even know if there was a scoring chance. Was there? Yeah. The, the clip that I got sent, they went back and forth three times. Three I times think each. maybe right. I think maybe right at the end there was a scoring chance, but throughout the whole thing, it, probably, it, was, yeah, it wasn't the whole thing. But. I had, I was like, oh, I was falling asleep. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> DraftKings, baby, take the over. First period, you heard it here, I'm missing curfew. Updog, this one, nah. This one hit close to home for the boys here. Um, obviously, I'm a former Canuck, but more importantly, Travis Green, our boy. He got piped. They said, Greener, thanks for coming. Um, I saw the look on his face after they lost to Pittsburgh at home. They beat Montreal and Ottawa on the road, and I thought they were starting to play with a little more jam. Um, you know, obviously, I've talked about Miller a lot, Garland, uh, they played in Ottawa. They were chirping the bench. I was like, all right, maybe, maybe they're going to come out of this, and then they get piped at home. Um, you know, to Greener, obviously, I shot him a little text yesterday, just, you know, tell him, you know, hang in there and all that stuff. He said he's coming back to Cali as soon as he can. But obviously, this one stings. I thought he did such a great job over the last three or four years of changing the culture of that team. Um, the thing that when I watched him that I'm going to ask Murph about when we have him on here is it, for the first time ever as, as he was a coach for the Canucks, it looked to me like – they weren't playing hard for him. And when you're an owner, I guess if you see that, it's time for a change. But um, poor Greener fella. Yeah, yeah I love Greener. Yeah. Um, gave me an opportunity in Vancouver. Uh, great team guy. Um, demanded a lot from his players. And you're right. It's uh, This is a game and a league where you know, you're only as good as your last game. And if you lose your team and your team starts to play you know, soft, embarrassing hockey in front of their home crowd. And you have star players that aren't playing up to their potential. You have fans that are screaming, you know, fire Jim. Um, yeah. It was, you know, it was just, it was the tipping point. And for me, I, I look at the situation. It's nice that they all, they all kind of left. 
Like it's it's one thing when like Jim Benning fires the coach and then he still gets to stay. Well, why do you get to stay? Yeah. You know, you you picked all these players and now the coach, yeah, the co- the players aren't playing up to the potential and and it's just not all working, but sometimes it's just you need a fresh slate. Vancouver had Jim Benning behind their behind their team making decisions for a long long time. Um you know, Greener is a Greener's a smart guy, was a well-respected player, you know, played over a thousand games. Um he is a you know, he's a guy's guy, guy you want to play for. But it's just sometimes just needs to be changed. And yeah. you know, and, and as a coach, you're always hired to get fired. You're not fucking unless you win like ten cups and you, you sail off into the sunset on your own terms. It's very, very rare that you're not hired to get fired. Yeah. Um so Exactly. And and you know, I, I thought when you talked about Jim Benning, obviously let Jim go. He brought in, you know, Oliver Ekman, Larson and Garland, which was the move that you know, I said right away that's put pressure on him to, you know, they got to be a playoff team or it's a bust. But, you know, I think Greener did a lot of great things for the Canucks. Um, I never thought it was a team that was built perfectly for him. Now, you know, I'm going to give Daryl Sutter a ton of credit, but if you put Travis Green behind the bench of the Calgary Flames too, with that kind of um, the way they play, I think Greener needs guys that are willing to fucking get dirty and compete. And, you know, he loved Antoine Roussel. He loved Beagle because those guys would dig in for him. And I just think, you know, he's going to get another opportunity someday. Um, maybe this was a blessing in disguise for him. It just, it made the Canucks more fun to watch when Greener was behind the bench for me, right? Because you're, you're cheering for him ups. It's like, you know, for sure. we go. Yeah. And Benning, listen, he, he, you know, he tried to make some moves. He brought in Toffoli, Miller, Pearson, Thomas Vanek. Surprised you didn't get fired over that one. Fuck. <laughs> he brought him in the year I went there. Thomas Vanek. Yeah, they brought him in on a PTO. Uh, actually, no, team? they didn't bring him on a PTO. They signed him. Um, That's right, they did. It was the year I went on my PTO. And he actually played pretty good for them. I mean, Yeah, and Vanek they ended was, up trading him at the deadline to yeah. uh, Washington. No, Detroit. Detroit. Somewhere. You know, but his big splashes with Kessler, Bieska, and Burroughs was... He traded all those fuckers, yeah. eh? I Kess would. wanted out. And Biesco and Burroughs, wow, that's like three of the most sought after Canucks. That's of that one of like generation. three of the most yeah. popular Canucks in Canucks history. Yeah. Kessler, Burroughs, and Biesco. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how you come in there, just maybe set the tone. So, uh, Greener, keep your head up, buddy. We love you here. Maybe we'll try to get him on after the dust settles a little bit. Let's take him golfing. Yeah, let's get him drunk. Hey, win or lose, you hit the booze. So, up dog, they bring in Bruce Boudreaux, your boy, Scotty Walker, for the penalty kill, which, listen, if you want to be honest, the penalty kill may have cost Greener his fucking job. So I don't know who was running that. Uh, Nolan Baumgartner, who's a, one of my favorite teammates who I played with for a little Great bit guy. of time. Great guy. I'm not sure if Bomber was doing the PK. Uh, and then their interim G- GM, Stan Schmiel, the steamer. Steamer. He's a beauty. Jesus. He's Mike. like the one guy in Vancouver. You know, he was, I forget what his role was with Mike Gillis, but like he was the one guy that would come in on the room in management and the boys were happy to see Fluffer. him. Fluffer. He's a great guy. Speaking of steamer, my dog Riley's been steaming all over my carpets the last fucking day and a half. Not perfect. So that is not perfect, but oh. that's brutal. Hey, so what do you think of Bruce Boudreau? He seems listen, all the stuff I heard him say, like he wants to play up tempo. He wants to get more offense, you know. Um, he seems to be the guy that comes in and changes stuff. Like, remember he took over for that fucking prick Randy Carlisle, and he took the ducks from last to into the playoffs and I think this guy's got some magic, old Bruce. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to talk to him, and I actually enjoyed your guys's uh, your guys's segments on your on your power play show. Obs. Yeah. He uh, to me, he's like a fun kind of goofy looking, fucking. You know, <laughs> I don't know what you want to call him. 
Some of the photos I've been seeing lately are hilarious. <laughs> I think he likes. Like, to, yeah, he I think he doesn't he, mind the old postman store dasher. I think we might have to send him a fucking manscaped uh, package. <laughs> He's got random fucking gray hairs coming out of his eyeballs and his ears. <laughs> It's Manscaped, can we help this guy out? I mean, he's back on the bench here. We got to set him up. He threw his first F-bomb. He did a press conference <laughs> and he was trying to get his fucking ass out of the seat. He's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> That'll but, win over your crowd. But I think from the remarks for the players, Horvat and some guys, like he's coming and brought a positive energy. Yeah. I, I had a training camp with him in, in Anaheim when I was, you know, on a two-way trying to make the squad or whatever. But he was great. Like his meetings were very obviously professional upbeat and, um, He's a player's coach, so I think – I don't know. I want to ask Murph what he thinks about, you know, what really happened to Greener. And I, I think Greener probably lost the room a little bit, so they're bringing Bruce in. And um, Scotty Walker, what kind of PK guy do you think he would be? I like Walks. And yeah. Walks, to me, is uh, uh, played the game the right way, fucking face first. You can big tell no, by the fucking nose look of his nose. His fucking nose. He is. used to fight two obes, and they, he had great fights. Like, he yeah. was one of the first guys I got to play with that I – was like, this guy for his size and weight is pound for pound just as tough as anyone I've seen play hockey. And and he'd do it at his on his own terms. He would he would uh you know he'd challenge guys when need be a well liked guy in Nashville. Uh he's been doing great in junior hockey too. Yeah. Right? Good junior hockey coach, some success and uh you know it's about time he gets a chance to uh you know to hit the big leagues and and coach a team he played for so i think it's i think it's a great fit for him and for him there's nowhere to go but up on that penalty kill because it's fucking is brutal. it stinky oh my god is it bad yeah like See, we could do just, a better job right now if we went out there it's time it was time for yeah it was it's time for a change i think greener is it greener was just he demands so much from guys and and when you have a young team they fucking fold sometimes man can you can you teach players how to penalty kill or do you need to bring guys in? Like, is it Jim Benning's fault that he got rid of a lot of his PK guys when they went out and got Ekman, Larson, and Garland and he didn't refill the, you know, the cupboards for Greener? Or can... I think you can teach anyone to penalty kill. Like... You can't. You can't. No. No. You can't teach a kid that's scared of a hockey puck to get in front to of a hockey, hockey puck. Or to read where the puck's going and, and be ready to eat one. The best penalty killers in the league have great sticks, but they also know like, you know, often we talk about if you're, if you're in the lane, the guy's not even going to shoot the puck anyway. Right. Yeah. Well, you just need to know where these lanes are. And when you consider, you know, you're saying teach anyone, some of these kids you would want to teach are just all offense, you know, and they're great. They, they have great read reaction when it comes to making plays and doing the right play. But, um, you know, not everyone's going to be able to, to have a stick like Ryan O'Reilly or, you, you know, Patrick Bergeron. Yeah. Bergeron. Yeah, Bergeron. 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 No, now, now you're talking about two of the best penalty killers I, in the I fucking league. I just mean, <clears throat> I'm talking like about you can't take a, a Connor Garland and say, you know, get in the lane. Because he's like, fuck that. I don't want to break my foot. No, and you're right. I just think when you think of PK and like... But as it, took me, it took me a while to learn how to PK a little bit in the, yeah. as a defenseman. Me but too. But then when like, you know, when you figure it out, it's just... Pay attention to detail. Pay the fucking price. Yeah. Give your balls a tug and get pucks out. Like it's not that hard once you kind of get her figured out. Yeah, but like I, I've been on some good penalty kills. I've been on some shitty ones, and yeah. I guess the biggest difference on the shitty ones is we weren't paying the price. Like you said, guys weren't getting in the lane. So it's something to think about. You know, when you're building these teams, um, you know they missed that Jake Dowling. He could have killed some penalties for them. Tyler Mott just came back. He was out. He's been doing better. Uh, I, I think it really has to do with their back end there. The Pullman, this Burroughs kid. Um, 
You know, they got rid of Tanif to yeah. Calgary. He fucking used to eat biscuits. Ben last year used to eat biscuits. I guess they got Luke Shen, but. Um, so, so I just want to touch yeah. on this. I couldn't fucking PK for shit. When you well, first I, got in the league. Yeah, like I played it in junior. Uh, come pro, like Trotsy, no. Didn't, never gave me a chance. Um, you know, my second coach was Johnny Stevens. I was more offensive with Johnny. Didn't PK very much at all. Um, went to Phoenix, old Gretter. No chance I was on the PK, but I did. he did put me on the five-on-three power play. Well, you scored. Great. Yeah, I'd rather play power now, play than penalty killing. Now, my first experience where they actually tried to make me a PKer was Dave Tippett in Phoenix, and I lasted like three practices, and he said, nope. Is that because you – I would guess like you weren't really paying attention to the details maybe or what? what? I don't know. I was <laughs> – he just said, today we're going to try you on the PK like in practice, so just show us like, you know, what you got. And I thought I did pretty good, but – I but he's like, no. So how did you learn? Because you were a good I learned, one in I'm St. Louis. I'm telling you how I learned. Okay. Brad Shaw. Shawzy. Fucking miracle worker with a PK. He had, he had great insights. He had good meetings. They weren't waste of time meetings. It was like great video, touching on a certain few points, but get out of this media room. Let's go. And then in practice, you know, it would be give us, be hard on these guys. Be hard on like, you know, the Vladdies and Petros and, and our star players, like, make it hard for them. Do what we do. Don't just, you know, and then and then obviously sometimes if you need to, like, allow them to touch and touch and touch, back off. But he made us practice like we played, and he had, he had great vision for what worked, and it was high intensity, great pressure, talking, and, and, and all the little things you do. But Bradshaw is a great, yeah. great PK coach. It's funny you say that because I wouldn't have made the NHL without Bradshaw. Bradshaw is my coach right? in Cincinnati. He made me in two years from a guy that was sniffing to a guy that had a like legit jit chance. Shawzi was one of the best coaches, if not. Without him, yeah. I wouldn't have made it. Him and yeah. Dan Bowsman, I wouldn't have made it. So, But there's nothing better as a PK guy than when you're doing it in practice and you got the PP guys frustrated. And you dump <laughs> it down. You're like, suck it, boys. Fuck you. Oh, and, uh, yeah. and they're looking at you like, you're like, figure it out, boys. So, um, Greener. Buddy, we love you. Good luck to Bruce Boudreau in Vancouver. He's a great guy. Updog, another one, one of my former coaches who I wish would have got fired maybe when I was in Vancouver. He just got fired in uh, Philly. Vino and Michael Terrian, who I heard that Terrian's a prick too. Um, I actually like AV. I think, you know, my time in Vancouver, he was fair with me. You know, I was Mick, I was really enjoying the finer things of the city and, you know, that's ended up getting me shipped out of there. But I think he's a good coach. I was shocked with the way they were playing. Because in Vancouver, his structure was so good that the way Philly was playing without their structure, and granted, you know, Ryan Ellis being hurt <clears throat> has cost them, but um, he's gone. I guess I'm going to ask you. I think Rick Tockett is a no-brainer. You were just with him. He's a fucking Flyers legend. He has no job. I mean, what are they waiting for? I would hire Rick Tockett. Yesterday, I would have hired him. I'm sure the talks are ongoing. Um there's no better time to do it. Yeah. They're stinking. They're I mean, stinking. it was a tough match they had last night. And and no offense, but, you know, Mike Yo, great guy. Yo. Yo. Is he? <laughs> Yo. Yo. Um, I, I really, I, I enjoyed playing for Mike. He uh, he was a guy that demanded a lot. He, um, he, he's got winning pedigree behind him, Obes. But, you know, the Philadelphia Flyers demand a, a really, you know, strong, tough, um, you know, guy that's going to present himself as, as like a leader and a, and a warrior for the team. And, and Yosi, 
he I knew he the way he used to play, he used to fight and fucking he he would get intense. But to me, Rick Tockett just got his jersey, you know, his his name up on the you know the Hall of Fame for the Philadelphia Flyers. It's a great time. Does he want to leave the desk? I don't know. Yeah. Is the money worth it right now? Is Comcast gonna step up and pay the guy like Ed Snyder would have? Probably not. But uh, I think he's a great candidate. It would be a great way for him to carry on his legacy in Philly. Um, let's maybe get him on and ask him. <clears throat> I, I yeah, you know, I've been texting with talks a little bit. He he's been trying to come on. He's just he's busy with the TNT gig and flying here and flying there, and he teases up a lot too. A couple times I've texted him. He's like, "Fuck, I'm playing uh, Summit or yeah, I'm playing yeah. uh, what's the one in in Phoenix? The good one where Bully's a member, Whisper. Or I'm playing Whisper. Or I'm doing this. I'm like, shh." What a league. Hey, what a league. I just think, and listen, you're a Flyers alum. I mean, I just think this is a no-brain home run for him. I look at this squad. I think the time is now. You know, they bring in Yans. She's cold in Philly for, for Yans right now. He's in the he's got he's minus 15. You know, like it's tough. It's a just tough going. It's just I I thought he would be better for them. I thought uh, Ristolainen would be a little bit better. Ellis has hurt them. I, I love Yandel's game, don't get me wrong, unless the plus-minus is overrated stat. But I just think if you could bring Rick Talkett in, you know, obviously Casey's back, Kevin's coming back. I don't think they're that far away here, and I think if you could bring Talks in, Updog, it'd be a, it'd be a good move for them. So we'll see how that unfolds. Um, Shout-out to, you know, a guy I had in Vancouver, too, and you had him for a little bit in Vancouver, Rick Bonus. Bonesy, um, 2,500 games coached in the NHL. <laughs> 2,500 matches. Um, that's insanity. Great community. That's commu- fucking 40. That's 35 years. Great communicator. Um, you hear him before you see him. You know, <laughs> he's got a loud voice, which I used to love. But the thing I loved about Bonesy was, and I took it for granted my two years there, is he would take the time to know, you know, if I was healthy scratched or not playing a lot, to come over to me after practice and, and talk to me. And at that time, I didn't really think too much of it. But as my career went on, and even before then, I was like, man, you, know, you look back at someone's like coaches never really did that when they scratched you. Like he didn't have to come out of his way to come over and explain to me this and that. So um, to him, congratulations, Updog. I know he had a short stint with him, but he's a fucking beauty, man. He's always smiling. He's always the thing I loved about him too is during practice he's always yelling. Like if you make a good pass, he's yelling stuff and he's upbeat. I love it. Yeah, that's how I'd be. Yeah, exactly. I don't know about you, but that's how I would be. Yeah, I would be boys. a fucking guy's guy as a coach, and I would tell you how it is. Because you don't want to be bullshit. You, you want to teach someone early in their career that they should speak what's on their mind and that they should not accept bullshit and just, you know, feel like you should be able to say whatever you want to, you know, a coach, teammate, whatever. Right. I think yeah. it's, I think that's a healthy, that's a healthy, uh, you know, way of doing things, being on a team that you, um, you know, a coach says the door's always open or your captain, you know, always open to come talk to the captain, whatever, and that it stays, you know, amongst yourselves. That's so that's like pedigree of bones. Um, I laughed the first time I, I was on the ice with him in Dallas and I was like, hey, uh, yo, Bonesy, um, O'Brien said to say what's up. <laughs> you know, I'm skating around first practice. He's like, ah, Shane O'Brien. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. We, you know, we're best boys. We tee it up all the time. Uh, yeah, he's helping me skate here this summer and fuck, he was all fired up. I love Dobes. He was one of my favorites. Yeah, he was, he was great. And then then fuck, then he took the boys to the Stanley Cup finals that year. And Bones is a stick. He's a, he's a sick golfer. Well, it's because he played in Tampa a 
coach in Tampa for yeah, so long. He's a stick. He's like a scratch or something. Like he's like in your echelon. He's fucking I'm guarantee I've never seen him swing, but I guarantee it's Smoothie Douglas. He's got good style bones. He's got good hair. He's got good, he's always looking sharp. Like, and for me, in that uh, our our time in Vancouver, anytime our back end was struggling, you know, instead of call, calling a, a video meeting or a voice. We're going for beers. Let's go for beers. That's awesome. Got to come for one. That was his rule. Unless you're obviously recovering alcoholic or something. <laughs> but if you're just like, if you're not, if you don't have a problem or anything, come for one. And he'd always do it in Nashville or Dallas. And, and it would just be the D. Just the D. Me and Mitchie would love it. Me and, Mitch, <laughs> me and Mitchie stayed for more than just one, right? One for night sure. we did that Tootsie's. Getting the red burgundy with Mitchie. Bonesy's like, all right, I'm leaving, boys. And I'm like, Bonesy's like, you leaving home? He's like, ah, I got to stay for a couple more Bonesy. He's like, all right, well, just make sure you get home. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, boy. But he was great. I thought those are little things as coaches that, you know, really go a long way, I think, with players. So. I agree. Bonesy, congratulations, buddy. Let's tee it up sometime. Um, Connor McDavid had a hit on Kempe. Princey, I'll let you tee this one up because you're the Flames fan. Five in a game, no suspensions. What was the Flames fan saying about that? If that was on Connor McDavid, probably someone's getting suspended. Well, yeah, the the idiot Flames fans want him suspended for 30 games, but the the smart Flames fans, (laughs) like myself, probably just agree with what the call was. Like, it's... You know, we we a couple weeks or I think it was two weeks ago, Lucic got nailed and he got kicked out of kicked out of the game for hitting Pionk from behind or whoever it was on Winnipeg. And it, it is what it is. I think that McDavid it did deserve him getting the boot. It was a hit from behind. The Kempe smashed his face off the glass and and uh and and at the end of the day, Edmonton paid the price already. They were up, they were down two one with five to go, and he got a five in a major and LA went to score three times. So you know, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe other people might have a different opinion that you know you have to treat McDavid as you would any other player. If that was, you know, maybe a, a grinder, a fourth line guy who did that, maybe they would get suspended. But I don't know. I, I agree with the call. I think it was good to get him out, but no suspension. Don't suspend for that. This is the same thing that happened to LeBron <laughs> when LeBron just fucking viciously elbowed that guy I know. in the face and I didn't know. get nothing. Slap on the wrist. Fuck LeBron. Now. Connor doesn't hit very many guys, and I like when Connor starts hitting. I think so it's, do I. I think he's gonna. I be, love it. I think he's gonna be a way better player if he goes out and you know throws his body around, you know, come playoff time like McKinnon will, and shows he's engaged. Um, I don't think you know. I don't think throwing a game at him is is the necessary thing, but I think he should understand that he should hit more guys. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that's a vulnerable spot the kid was in, and he did catch him between the numbers, and he's skating faster than God knows how. <laughs> you know, God knows everybody. Um, you know, if that was someone else, they're getting suspended. But I'm I'm fine with Connor not getting. Suspended. I don't want to see him in the stands, but I want. But I also want to see more hitting. Yeah. So you know, I think keep throwing the body around. Connor. I'm with you, and he's starting to play with a little more like fuck you in him, and. Yeah. No, I don't want to see anyone get drove in the glass from behind. And I'm going to disagree with both you guys. I don't ever want to see Connor McDavid get suspended. But the shit that they're talking about now and the, you know, the cross checks and this and that, and some of the other suspensions we've seen this year with hits, you can't have different rules for different guys, right? If that was Kempe dr- driving McDavid in from behind, I'm sure Kempe would have got one or two. At least two. At least two. Yeah. So listen, if you want to, I think they should have dinged Connor one game. Just so you go around the league, people aren't like good press. Yeah, just give him one. Give just, him the night just off. so guys like you know, if I was still in the league or I don't know, some old defenseman that's still in there is probably like, fuck man, why why is Connor not? I just think you can't have different rules for different guys. 
I'm all for protecting the star players. Like I don't want to see Connor ever get hurt or, or whatever. But if he drives somebody in from behind, then you know, it, it was probably at least a one gamer in my opinion. But I think that's, that's I got no problem with him doing it though. Yeah, I like it. That's, I like it. That's life is different rules for different guys. Yeah. So get how long of a leash like some of those idiots just used to have on their teams. Oh, for sure. Right. You're like, oh my god, really? If I turn that puck over, I'd be sitting here for the next, oh, you know, forty minutes. I I'd undo my skates if I did what that guy just did. For sure. But some guys it's have a long leash. It's not like that anymore, and, is it, you think? Not uh, as much. No, I mean, kids are too good now. I know. I don't think they turn it over. They, they just don't chip, even turn the puck They over. just chip it in and skate it as fast as they can to get it. Well, if they're good, the good teams do. Yeah. Connor, listen, buddy, keep fucking hitting. I don't care. I, I mean, I got no problem getting suspended. But, I mean, if I'm the other guy in the league, I'm like, so what, McDavid can drive my head in the glass, but I can't? I don't know. It's 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 a slippery slope, yeah. in my opinion. But, Connor, I love the way you're playing. Keep it up. Up, dog. You wanted to touch on Toronto-Winnipeg. Uh, it was a little bit of a game. little fuck fest, as you would say. Fiery, fiery game. Fiery. What was there, a knee? I guess I missed it. What happened? Well, that peon gets, uh, you know, has a knee on knee, gets suspended With Sandine, I saw that hit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Sandine, he's yeah. hurt, right? So, is, you know. He's been playing good for the Leafs, too. You got you to gotta spend a guy on a guy that gets hurt, knee on knee. That's not good. Guy comes in, takes a shot, you knee on knee him. That's, that's two in a game. See you later. Is that your baby, Princey? Yeah. Ah, little Princey up there. Let's scream out. time's over, I guess. Hungry. There we go. Hungry. Get him some food. Give him the titty. Um, <laughs> so then, so to me, um, what happens after for my boy Spez? Shout out to Spez. He keeps playing. I mean, fucking guy. He's guys, he got two the other night. He's playing great. He's playing he great. He does the UFC kneecap to the head on, I think it's the same guy. Was it not? On Pionk. On Pionk. How the fuck do you say this guy's name? Princey, how do you say his name? Pionk. Pionk. So anyway, Pionk, buddy, Spezza knees this guy as he's falling, and it is hits. Is it bad? It's going to be on a highlight. I think Joe Rogan should announce it. The guy hit him so good right, <laughs> right in the lips. It should, um, it's an to ultimate me, fighter it's, move? To me, it's, it's fuck. I don't know. It's three games minimum. Three games, eh? You'd have to ask your boy Cooley because he's usually bang on with this. Cooley is really good at those. To me, it's three games. He has an uh, in-call or an in-person hearing. It could be minimum five. Pionk's hurt, too. Yeah, he's done, actually. So I say Spez is getting five games. He is, huh? I got to watch it again. I haven't can, we, can we pull it up? I'm trying to pull it up right here. but Princey, did you, you right text here? it to us? Yeah, just give me one second here, boys. I'll pull it up. Oh, here we go. You got to take it in. And then just picture Joe Rogan announcing. Oh. oh, here we go. Oh, yeah. Watch. I saw that. Yeah, I saw that one. Look at Spence's piss. So look at Spence. He's losing it. I like that. Look at He's losing it. Now watch this. And then as this play runs down, there's Pionk without a stick. Oh! You gotta see the slow mo. Send that again. You gotta see the slow mo. Wah, bamo! He goes left knee to the mind. That is a UFC move. That's a UFC move. Does anyone fight Spezza there? I don't know. I don't think. I think that all the play went by so fast. But it just the, the the rest of the game went wild. Yeah, like, I can see. Well, I, I saw the clip of Simmer going yeah. bananas. Yeah, I saw the sip, cl clip of Simmer going bananas. Yeah. Wow. I love it. That's hockey. <laughs> <laughs> That's five games at least. That's fiver. Yeah. 
Wow. He's not making that much. So no, he don't, and he got enough, he's got enough. So anyways. Uh, and he's sticking up for his teammate. Yeah, no, it's that's, wow. I, I can't believe I missed that. Good, that is a knee felt. right That is mind. a guy in a vulnerable position and a guy taking advantage of him yeah. and driving his knee into his head. Yeah, he's going to get, he's sitting for five. <laughs> so. uh, those, ah, another little good little rivalry in the NHL. We, we hey, love Brick, this shit. Uh, hey, Brick, you might want to go and hide. You, uh, you Brick, killed the guy. Brick killed the guy. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> Up dog, uh, our good friends at Good Life is called Jersey Toss, baby. I would oh. never toss my Good Life tarp. I'll tell you that I would never toss it. But people in Canada, in Montreal, and Vancouver, are tossing their fucking jerseys on the ice. Um, as a player, did you ever? I never had anyone toss their jersey on the ice. I was never on that bad of a squad. Although the year in Denver, they probably could have tossed some jerseys on the ice. We were pretty shitty, but I don't know. This is a statement when you, when a fucking fan like it's the ultimate like. Disgrace, actually. Right? Like, don't fan. throw the jersey I don't throw, just, If I saw a fan don't throw the beside me at a game, like, throw his fucking jersey on the ice in front of, like, his kid or kids, yeah. I might slap him. And let's be honest. You know eventually the team's going to be good again. You're going to have to go buy yourself another jersey. Right? Like, don't toss it. I'm all for... I like if my team is bad. If I was a diehard fan, I'd throw the old bag on the head, the old paper bag on the head with the <laughs> cut the eyes out. I would do that if yeah, I wanted to. Yeah, you're robbing us all. <laughs> if I wanted to send a message, i go bag on the head. I wouldn't throw the jersey on the ice. It's a bad look for your fan base. The players probably don't really care that much, do we? I don't no. know. I mean, I just think it's a tough look. and It's, it's like it, as a player putting your jersey on the ground. Yeah, it's, like that's, it's, it's you don't do disrespect. that. Disrespect. Exactly. If you're going to spend the money and come watch the games and the team's going to get their ass kicked, just suck it up like the guys do. Boo them. Or you just know. don't pay your hard-earned money to go to the fucking yeah, games. Yeah, yeah, totally. Don't pay your money to go to the games. Princey, from a fan's perspective, would you ever toss a Flames jersey? Would you throw your Rent Warner jersey there you got hung up <laughs> on the ice if the Flames were losing like eight straight or something? What would it take? Honestly, no. No, I would never do that. And I've, I've been a – you guys know I've been a diehard Flames fan my whole life. I've been through the tough times. I've been through the good times. But you couldn't. You couldn't pay me to throw my jersey on the ice. I mean, back when Edmonton was in those dark days there where they finished last, like, what, 10 years in a row or whatever, they were getting them every night. Just, I, I think it's bad. It's a bad look. I mean, and those jerseys are expensive, man. Like, what are you doing throwing a $200 jersey on the ice for? I agree. Fucking don't throw your jersey. Don't throw your beer. Just don't go. Boo them out. But if I was a fan up and had a problem, I'm going bag over the head, cut it out. Hey, you know what, though? It's a good business plan for Jersey Lab. Just have everyone throw their jerseys on the ground. And that is just, great for the boys. And then log on to jerseylab.com and order some more jerseys. I agree with that. Up dog, shout out to OV, 750 snipes. That's it? That's all he's got? This guy's getting better. I mean, come on. Did you see him hit that fucking guy? Princey, who was that he hit? You put on our social media. That was your friend, Connor Murphy. I hate that guy. He fucking drove him. <laughs> he's lucky that glasses there. He would have ended up in the 16th roll. That's just, a guy. Yeah, that's actually it's funny you say that. That's a guy you would love to hit. Yeah. Like, he's just, he's like the red hair, and he's just not, yeah. I would hit him, too. Ovi, 750. What's Wainer at? 894? Yeah. He's 146-something away, right? Yeah, this pace though, he's he's. I got him to win. He's leading the scoring, right? Or no, he's leading power play goals. Dry Seidel's leading. I got him to win the scoring title. Come on, let's go. Fuck, hold on. He's like plus seven hundred, or maybe more, more, plus fourteen hundred to win. To win the scoring race? Yeah, I have it right. He's here. two behind. Dry has got forty three. Connor McJesus has forty two. Ovechkin, Kadri, fuck, I have a year on a contract here, eh? Kadri's 10 snipes, 31 points. 
He's UFA. That's how you fucking bring it. So, Ovi, it's impressive, man. I can't believe he's still going up. He, he doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon. Up dog, we talked about this. Jeff Gordon, he did his first um, press conference to the media, and he his opening comments was he did it in French. And he's a guy from Massachusetts. Um, it's something I told you last weekend that I thought would be a good look for him to try to do it. So he's trying to do it. And then I thought I wanted to ask you, you know, if you're Montreal Canadiens and Jeff Molson, like I, I get it, you're a bilingual province, I get it. But everyone, for the most part, in Montreal can speak English, understands English. Do you not just want the best GM for the job? And if you can't speak French, you'd maybe try to get him to learn or have a translator. You can have a translator there sitting beside him. Like, what's more important, getting the right man for the job or or narrowing your window of opportunities or candidates? Candidates? Candidates. 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 The Candidates. I got one. Hey, right. go. I got Listen. tropical mango lip boomer. It's the Candidates. Candidates. Wow. Segment Candidates. Candidates. Wow. There you go. I should ask. That's perfect. Candidate. Say it again. Candidates, candidates. Okay, perfect. So, what do you think? If you're Jeff Molson and you're worth, I think you bring us in there. A billion we'll dollars. Do you care about a French GM? No, I don't care. I don't care. I gotta buy. I'll get a translator. No. I want the best man for the job. I think a guy that that is respected, knows the game, um, and puts his, you know, wears his heart on his sleeve is is all that the Montreal Canadiens should worry about. And uh, the fans, they can soon follow. But, you know, the days of, you know, them booing, you know, players and poor Scotty Gomez didn't speak a lick of French, went there, got booed right out of there. Fucking Gomer. But, he was um, still looking good carrying the puck up there. So. Yeah, yeah. No, he had one goal, but fuck, he looked good out there just skating around. Like, um, But who's the guy? I guess I guess to me, I think he. I think what Gordon did is, is classy. Classy. It's a great job. It's a way Now to- just focus on building your team. Yeah. I- and I think they will hire a bilingual GM because that's been the way it has been forever. I just think, I don't know, if you're Jeff Molson, it's something to think about. We explain, explain to the fan base, like, listen, we, 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 we decided to go with the best guy available for the job. He's going to try to learn how to speak French. Until then, he'll have a translator. You know? I don't know. I just think for Montreal Canadiens fans, I know they went to the finals last year. I hope it's Danny B. I know I said it last No, week. I know. I, I mean, I'm sure they're going to go. I just something I thought about and wanted to get your opinion. Um, I, I just wanted to be a young guy. Yeah, me too. Bobby Lou, Jack Eichel back on the ice. You told me, I asked you when we were teeing it up. Are you, is you, what? Are you not surprised? What's going on? You said, I'm not surprised. Those, so this is the timeline that he's on. He, he skated skate. boys. He was skating less than, you know, I know the exact day, but he, he he's on the ice immediately after he's skating at his own speed. He's, can we talk about how sick those little uh, what were you, what turns uh, he was doing? Work. Yeah, yeah. His edge work, work is nationally. It's effortless. He, he was is just such out there. a great I was skater. like, fuck, that's good style. Um, the fact that he told me one time over a glass of whiskey with him on the road, he's Ooh. like, you've never seen a guy skate like this, up dog. Like I'm the way excited he just, to see Jack Eichel it's, come it's back. It's one stride, two strides, and then he doesn't need to move his feet anymore, and he's skating faster than everyone on the ice because of his edges. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, we all forget how good Jack Eichel is. I know. I hope he comes back fucking buzzing. Yeah. And we'll be out there to see him. So Ike's keeper going. Uh, Updog, Canadips, you're talking about him. Lip Boomers, baby. These teams, fuck. Minnesota Wild. Shout out to Marcus Felino. This kid, he's unbelievable. He does everything. This team is legit. Um, the Rangers, uh, Shesterkin got hurt, but I guess he's not going to be out. Nine and one, their last 10. They won six in a row. They're fucking... And finally, the Dallas Stars and Rick Bonus. Seven in a row. Bonesy said something probably two or three weeks ago to the media in Dallas. He said, 
I know what's wrong with this team and I know how to fix it. Now, maybe it was one of his, you know, legendary got to come for a drink parties. I don't know. Maybe that's what it was. Who knows? Fuck, he took him for beers. Who knows? Where'd he take him? But Bonesy got him fucking gentleman's club. <laughs> he got him going. They're, they're, they're seven in a row. It's a team that I always thought up. He has a veteran team and you've been on some good veteran teams. Sometimes it takes a while for the old vets to get going, right? Yeah. It takes a while. Hope he's been playing good. Yeah. I, I'm excited for them. Um, Bonesy's got them figured out. I, I like a good vet. They're a good veteran squad. Yeah. Yeah. That's the team you want to play for. Enough of the young City guys. You they, can't, live they, in too. they can't handle the ups and downs that have flows of the year. You know, I'm all for veteran guys. And then they start blaming the coach and they blame each other. Like a good veteran blaming team, their a good veteran team just fucking steps up and grabs their ball sack and just rocks. Just finds a way to win a hockey game. Right? That's it. Figure it out, boys. And then has a nice dinner. It's either up. us or them. Yeah. Let it be us. Yeah, Let's fucking win. I agree. So those teams are doing some fucking presented by a candidate, a lip boomers. We need a missing curfew flavor. You think, you think the boys ever do that for us? I what? think so. Like a red wine, maybe? No. No. What color? What kind of movie? Maybe a fresh, sweet. Peach? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a little peachy. A little peachy, peachy. Uh, up dog, DraftKings, baby. I love these guys. God damn. Top it. titty, baby. Top titty. Shout out. Oh, who's this guy? N, help me out, up dog. N Moriti, 22. Is that how you say it? You even see that? I can't even see that. I got it. It's M. Moriti. M. Moriti, Italian, 22. Good Italian kid. Shifley. Chicky Parm. Gordy. Colsar. Kyle Connor. Guy's been on fire. Blake Wheeler, who's, uh, you know, he needs to play better. Evgeny Datanov. He just played a thousand games, Blake Wheeler. Adam Fox. Shout out to Wheels. Chris Russell just he blocking with shots. Russie. He went with Russie. The 2,000 shot block man. And Connor Hellebuck. He's fucking good. He had 151 points. Um, shout out to Max Miller. Maxie, 126 points. Well, he took Zegris. He took the duck. You took Jesse Polt. How do you say that guy's name up, Doug? The guy in Edmonton that you love? Which guy? Paul Yarvey. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Yeah. He's got terrible style. Terrible. Um, so good job, Maxie. I was 48th. I just wah, barely missed wah, it. Wah. I mean, I signed up. <laughs> I signed the up. The up dog had a donut. A donut, folks. He's I'm sitting uh, playing golf with you. I know, but we, we said Prince, he sent us the link. He sent I us know, the link. And then I, I get on there and I did try I? to check like the schedule. Or Max, he did. What happened then? <laughs> you had you no, got a drink was... from Mimo and, uh, and you forgot, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. I worried about making six birdies. You kicked my ass that day. Yeah. Um, up dog, top titty baby this week. It's the Rangers and Sabres. Penguins, Capitals, Predators, Devils, Wings, Avalanche. I will be dipping my toe into that one. Panthers, Coyotes. Do you see another fucking shootout in the desert or what? Jets, Canucks, Flyers, Golden Knights. Ooh, I'm like leaning towards Flyers that Red Wings, Avalanche game and taking a lot of Florida Panthers heading into the desert. I like this uh, I like this metropolitan matchup here. Little Penguins, Capitals. And I might the Penguins have been playing great hockey. Yeah, they have. Sid's back. Wait Last till 71 night, they, comes back. Last night, it was a manhandling of the Seattle Kraken. I mean. The crackheads weren't having a good time. They, they didn't do a thing. Um, and it was a Jeff Carter show. It was, a, you know, Gensel. Gensel's, Gensel's on, nasty. On foil. I think he's got seven what? goals in his last four games. He's so good, man. Good, good young player there. And you know what? You got to give Sully credit there, too. Can he make Team Canada? Gensel? 
Is he Canadian? He's American. Yeah, he's American. I was <laughs> he's American. Well, he's on the American squad then. Yeah. I don't know if he can make that Canadian one, but he's on the American one. Here we go. He's on fire. He's got 27 and 24. 27 what? Points, Points in 24 games. Yeah. This other guy, Evan Rodriguez, not really a hockey name, but he fucking buzzes too. He's having a good year. I mean, this team, you know, um, Sully's got him going. They play with great structure. Um, Sid's finding his game. He's got 13 and 13 now. I mean, when you put 71 back in that lineup, they're as good as anyone. So Updog, DraftKings, Saturday Night, Lock of the Week, slash Survivor Pool now. Princey, who can I take? Well, I'll tell you who you can't take. If the the well, Panthers are on there, you did we talk well, about who I, won last week? Sorry, sorry, I got to cut you off. That's all right. No, cut me okay. off. Cut me off. What baby. happened last week? Who the fuck won last week? I don't have it here. I'm out of the loop, boys. I was I was not there. Prince Look at this guy. Getting, he's down in Mexico, getting fucking banged up, and Prince he's missing the fuck. He's missing the nut. Do we got to sit you down and have a chit chat with you here about being professional or what? You know, you can't go on these benders, Princey. I would love Princey. to have a sit down with you guys. These benders, you know, this time of the year, you can't go on these benders, bud. You can't go on these benders. <laughs> Up dog, uh, I think That's I won. That's calling the I, I know I won. I had, I had Carolina. I won. I had Carolina. I had Carolina. Do you remember who I had? Let me go look at the scores here. Stand by. <laughs> I'll tell you who I had if you tell me this. Preds. Preds. The Preds win? Come on. Preds won 4-3, final in overtime. Yes, sir. And uh, Carolina kicked the, shit I am out, now kicked the shit out of the Sabres. I, what am I, 2-2? Two two? I'm 4-1. Fuck, you're the leader in the clubhouse. Okay, so you pick well, last. If you're 2-2, two two, why am I 4-1? Well, but you're 3-2. Three I'm 3-2. Three yeah. Fuck, even better. What are you? He's over. <laughs> yeah, I got one win. <laughs> okay, so you get first pick. Um, so I can't take Carolina. No, you can't take the Blues either. Saturday night, Blues. I can't take the Panthers. I don't think either. Lock is you. You get last pick now because you're in first. Okay, sorry, Princey, go. I am gonna go. I'm still gonna stick with my hockey night in Canada stuff. I love that. I love that Saturday night. It makes it exciting. I'm gonna go with the Leafs over the Blackhawks. Leafs. Over the Hawks. Yes. I have not taken the Leafs. I have taken the Hawks, and they did nothing for me. Okay, 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 okay. I dare you to take a home dog. <laughs> Who? Well, you take one, I'll take one. I mean, definitely a home dog would be either the Sharks, Kings. the Kings, the f the Kraken. Actually, no, Blue Jackets. No, they would be a home dog. Yeah. They would be a home dog. The Hurricanes at Oilers. I'd say the Oilers are a dog there. I agree. Wow. What All right, got, up what dog. Do you got, fell? Um, take a home dog. You want me to take a home dog? Yeah. Have a hot dog. But you you took the Hurricanes last week, did you? I'm not taking that. I can't take them. No. All right. Them. I'm going to take. Uh, fuck. No. Oh, up dog. I don't know if I can do it, bud. I don't know if I can. I'm going to I'm gonna take the. I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Penguins at home against the Ducks. And I am taking the Islanders. At home against the Devils. You are. They're getting, the off, Islanders. They're getting off the schnei, bud. Fuck, they can't score. They're I mean, getting they off. are struggling. They're getting, off, they're getting off the schnei. You wait. All right, I got Pittsburgh. Princey's got the Leafs against the Hawks, and the Updogs got Sweet Lou Lamorello's Islanders. That is our DraftKings Saturday Night Lock of the Week. Updog, always a pleasure. Princey, welcome back. We've got a great guest coming up, one of our favorites, coming at you next. 
Welcome back to Mr. Curfew. Up dog. We got a beauty. One of our favorites. I know you had a little short stint with him. A I did. Short but, stint. But remember this. We are all Canucks. We are all Canucks. This guy <laughs> would pull me for warm-up interviews more than I deserved. He'd give me the warm-up interview more than I deserved. And then he'd pull you in for happy hour. Because he knew I was his only single guy on the team, so he'd take care of me. Dan Murphy, Murph, thank you for joining Mr. Curfew. Hey, thanks for having me on. And, and let's not forget, Uppy, we had a trip to China together, too. Yeah. we Man, what a trip over on that airplane. <laughs> huh? We had a trip to China. The next thing I know, like the nameplate was off the stall. There was an injury in St. Louis and boom, gone. I know. Keep it was a Vancouver was over. I got to say, I, I was I was upset. I was sad. I was really <laughs> thrilled to be going back to a team I knew, you know, St. Louis. Yeah. The Army calls me. They they actually, uh, this is great, but they turned down Yermer Yager to sign me. This is fucking great. So anyway, I wanted to play in Vancouver so bad, Murph. I love walking around after practice, you know, down. I was staying at the Westin, you know, a little long stay at the Westin for the month. And I just wanted to have that experience of playing in Canada like my boy Obes here. And I wanted to go on a couple more road trips with you. China wasn't enough. No. China was not enough. That was the best flight ever. The best plane ever, I should say. I got so – maybe that's why they didn't didn't accept – I walked into Greener's office and I was like, Greener? I got an offer and he's like, fuck off. I'm like, no, I do. You want to match it or maybe bump it up? I'll probably consider staying. He's like, is it St. Louis? I'm like, I can't tell you. And then he's like, ah, we're not going to be able to keep you right now. You haven't even played a game here at home. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like yeah, but I fucking flew to China with you guys. It, it was the hockey gods. Not, it was the not, hockey not gods. allowing you to, to have play. the success you would have had in Vancouver. It oh. was like me going into my third year. I, I, I lived in Cole Harbor my first year. It was my third year. I got a place in Yelltown. I had this hot tub on the patio, Murph. It would have been, <laughs> it would have been an epic year. Uh, and my boy Murph, actually, Murph, that's how good of a guy Murph was. Murph texted me right away and let me know. Do you remember that? You let me know. You're like, oh, because I'm here and they're going to throw your ass on waivers. Yeah. yeah so that yeah, was always yeah. a good. I wanted to prepare you. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's good. But the hockey gods wouldn't allow you to, you would have done. Murph, you would have, you, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how, I don't know how it would have been there. I so. think the city of Vancouver could have handled me. For sure. Right? For sure. They needed me, actually. I told Greener that. And then I was having a great year, and I'm like, Screener, what the fuck, man? You should have just kept the me. City I was could, no, the PK, city, like, come on. The city could have handled you, but could have you handled the city is the question. <laughs> <laughs> is the question. I think so you know the, the answer to that. The PK could use it right now. Exactly. You and I think, s- hey, if Team Canada's not going to this Olympics, I told Obes I've been skating, eh? Yeah. I'm like, hey, they, these guys aren't going because of COVID. There's all these, you know. They don't want to get locked up there for months if COVID, but I don't care. I'll well, go. Why don't we start there? Ask Murph the same question I asked you about the PK and PK guys and stuff like that. So Scott Walker, I've been yeah. old teammate of mine, gets brought in. Um, I think it's a great move. I think he's a, a great Vancouver alumni. I think he he played the game the right way. He's going to tell these kids, you know, and these guys, this is how you need to, like, do things. And and the yeah. success he had, how is that going to help the PK? And do you think oh, – oh, Obi and I talked about you, can, you can't really – I said you can't teach guys who don't know how to PK. You can't teach them PK, not in this National Hockey League, not nowadays. If you're offense, you're offense. Do you think that they have the right tools? And is, is a guy like Walks going to be a guy that can come in and help these kids, like, start to play the right way? Well, I mean, first off, it can't get any worse. It's, like, historically bad, right, yeah. and, as yeah. far as the league goes. Uh, it dealt with a bit of a bum rap. They don't have a right-handed centerman, right? Uh, Brandon Sutter still long haul COVID. Um, so they're getting crushed on draws and, you know, face-offs can be a f- finicky stat, but on special teams, they mean a lot. So that's one thing. A second thing is, um, you know, I-, I think that they're not a fast team, but they can play a little faster. So I think automatically in game one, we saw 
they were far more aggressive. So instead of using three pairs of forwards, they were using four and trying to keep the, the shift shorter. So they were playing faster, being more aggressive, pressuring the puck, and that helped out a lot against Los Angeles. So as you just said, I think it's it, the PK is a personnel thing, right? You need the right guys to do it. I don't know if they have the right guys. They, you know, as much as we made fun of Louis Erickson's contract or or Jay Beagle or even Brandon Sutter making five sheets a year, I mean, those guys were all PK guys. They were all in the top four. And losing them hurt this team. It hurt the personnel. Uh, so they're going to expand it. Pedersen was on the PK in uh, Boudreaux's first game behind the bench with Walker. And I think they're going to just try to play faster because they don't really have fast players. And if they can win the odd draw, that's going to help as well. And that's why you see uh, Miller's killing penalties. Uh, you know, Bo Horvath's killing penalties because they need to win some face-offs. I actually, what I like uh, w- with that approach is penalty killing hurts. Like it hurts to go out and be an efficient penalty killer because you're you're blocking shots, you're playing tired, you're, you, you, you know, mentally it's, it gets tough. You need to teach like some of the younger guys and some of your star players what it is to play this game when it hurts because winning hurts in the NHL. And in order to get out of any sort of funk, you know, you got to come in after games. You got to have ice bags on your shoulders. You got to see like your guys hurting because it takes that to like win in this league. And so I think that's a great way for Boudreaux to say like, guys, we're all going to be involved here. It's only us going to get out of this thing. Um, and I'll let Obi touch on this, but I really like the way Boudreaux is with his with his personality and how he brings the best out of some guys through humor and whatever is either making fun of himself or whatever. But I think he's I, I think it's a great a great pickup. Yeah, and and I'll, we'll get to Bruce Murphy. I want I want to talk to you about you know I've watched this team a lot over the last three or four years, and, and you know how I feel about Greener and how Uppy feels about Greener. We'll start with Jim. Obviously, he makes the trade with Lechman, Larson, Garland, and you just talk about Roussel and Beagle. Um, Shutter's hurt, but do you think you know they lost some of their you know meat and potatoes and glue guys in the dressing room that they really didn't believe or know how important those guys were in the dressing room? Well, I think I think those guys are fine at at the right price when they're making three and a half and they're on your fourth line. It's probably not the right signing. So I think Jim's failures was he could never find like. Hey, we need a guy like Jay Beagle. Well, let's go get Jay Beagle. Instead of finding a guy that's making a million that kind of does what Jay Beagle does, right? A guy on the up and up. Let's go find uh, Antoine Roussel, the guy like Antoine Roussel. Well, let's just sign him for four years and three and a half. Like he, he, he never could you know, find the guy that was the next guy on the proper price. Uh, Garland and, and uh, Ekman Larson are the least of Bennings. Uh, and I'm not going to call it a mistake because Ekman Larson has been quite good and Garland's been great. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I think for Jim, he just the the pro scouting was a problem. He rarely won a trade. Um, he really, I think the fact, I think he really liked meat and potatoes too much. That's the trade McCann for Eric Goodbranson, and then re-signing Goodbranson. Or hey, and God bless, I love Lucas Spees and Derek Dorsett, but you can't give those guys term and big money, right? It's tough to pay, overpay for toughness when toughness can't play. I, I kind of think. Yeah. Uh, same thing with leadership, right? Uh, so I think Jim was a little bit behind the curve that way. So uh, the the problem was this past offseason, he actually had a plan and executed it. And then the team got off to like the worst start they've had in his era. So he had eight years, um, you know, the points percentage, their bottom five in the league over those eight years. He's got some core pieces, but this was probably a move that could have been done or should have been done 
a few seasons ago. Mur- yeah, Murphy, make a great point. And they got off to such a slow start. So my, my question to you is, how was, you know, you're around the team every day in training camp. What was the feel throughout training camp? Did you guys, media, players, fans, did you guys see this coming at all? Because everything going into training camp was, you know, this team's going to be a playoff team. They're, they're heading in the right direction. They got, like, what was the feel coming out of training camp? Well, I think there was cautious optimism. I was saying 50-50 in the playoffs because I was going under the premise that the Pacific was going to be weak. Yeah, me too. I didn't see Calgary being like this. I, I mean, I thought Edmonton could be good, but not good like this. You know, Vegas was going to be good. The California teams aren't garbage, right? So the division's way stronger <laughs> than I thought. Um, and secondly, I thought, okay, this team could struggle. They could finish third or they could finish sixth. But they're struggling in a way that I didn't see. Like the defense was always going to be a problem. The right side of the defense, I thought, was weak. I thought the forward group looked great. Like for once they had three lines that should be able to score. Well, this team hasn't been able to score at all. I thought the power play could be a difference maker. It hasn't been. So you could have told me, hey, this team will be near last in the Pacific after a month. And I said, okay, well, obviously the goaltending hasn't been perfect like it has been the last few years and defense is totally caved in. But that's not the case. There's been other problems. So I'd say there was cautious optimism, but I still think a lot of people were still like pump the brakes on this being like a guaranteed playoff team. Yeah, and, and Murph, I want to ask you about, I want to go back a bit with Jim. After the bubble run, right? The bubble run was amazing, right? You, you felt like, you know, they took out the Blues. They took Vegas to seven. You know, I remember texting Greener, like, you know, who do you want to play? Because right now, it doesn't matter who we play, right? We can beat anybody. And then Jim doesn't re-sign Markstrom and Tanif. Now, yeah. for the Tanif thing, whatever, but do you think the Markstrom thing, and don't get me wrong, Thatcher Demko is a great goaltender, but after the success in the bubble and everything that was going right for him to, to not want to pay Marky, in your opinion, was that a mistake or was that just he's making too much cash or too much term? Well, let's go back. I think the two biggest thing, or two of the biggest things that hurt Jim was in his first year, they made the playoffs under Willie Desjardins. Remember, 100 and some point season. Yeah. And then lost the, the Flames in the first round. So they thought they were better than they were. Their twins were aging, blah, blah, blah. So instead of like tearing it down and building it up, they tried to retool on the fly. It didn't work. And then the bubble run, same thing. Hey, they were good against Minnesota. They were really good against St. Louis, but they got outshot like, you know, 40 to 20 every game against Vegas. The goaltending was outstanding, whether yeah, it was Marsham right. or, or um, uh, Demko. Demko at the end. But the, what I heard was that, and like Tanov's numbers the last couple of years in Vancouver had cratered. People thought he was done. It was probably the environment, right? When you're defending all the time, it's hard. Your body breaks down. Now he's on a team that moves the puck, they're up the ice, and he's not getting hit every shift five times. So he was still a good player. What I heard was that in the dressing room, whenever Pedersen had something he wanted to talk about and needed to talk to someone, he went to Markstrom, right? The Swedish guy, that was kind of his mentor. Uh, Whenever Hughes had someone he needed to talk to, he went to Tanov. That was kind of his guy in the room. So I think losing them as players hurt, especially now we see with Tanov, but I also think losing those guys as voices may have hurt a little bit more. And, you know, people can say, well, you got to get over that. But these are young kids, 19 and 20 years old, uh, and this is what they know. These are the guys they've leaned on. And all of a sudden, you had this success with these teammates, and, and they're not re-signed. And, and I think maybe the most egregious one was Tyler Toffoli, right? You yeah. traded a second-round pick and a prospect for this guy who was lights out for you until he got hurt in the playoffs. And then you let him walk at what was a reasonable number. You don't even make an offer. Uh, and then you go back and give Jake Vertanen two and a half million. And, you know, what was to fully making four. And the other one was Troy Stetcher, who is from the area, who want, who dies to play for the Vancouver Canucks. This is his team. 
and you let him walk for nothing and apparently don't make him an offer. He goes and signs for 1.7. So I think that was a very tough offseason in many ways for, for Jim Benning. Yeah, it seems like it just kind of kept piling up mistake after mistake. Do you think a little bit of that, um, you know, being an older GM and not really knowing like the younger, you know, crowd and how that young team like meshes together. What you just said is something that happens in this league a lot now. Like, you know, an older player and you would consider Marky an older player at, at even 28 or 29 years old. There's, they have so much influence in a young team's room that maybe older GMs have trouble realizing, right? And the, and the more, you know, it's why like an old, uh, an older agent like a, you know, Scott Boris or whatever needs younger agents around to really understand how these younger guys' heads work and and how they are. So I, I see that like, you know, slowly changing of the guard where being a young, fresh GM, you can really see through like some of these issues that the team has, and I, and you just touched on them all. Yeah, or, or have another layer. I think they, they realized the issue. Like Jim and John Weisbrot were so insulated. It was just the two of them. And then that happened. Then they brought the twins in. And I think the twins were going to be the voice between management and the room, right? Guys that could talk to the players, but also talk to management and deliver messages because communication was clearly a big problem when it came. It just wasn't his strong point. I don't think Jim's a bad guy, <laughs> yeah. but he wasn't one of those guys that would just pick up the phone and say, hey, how are you feeling? Right? That wasn't the way he did things. Or, hey, I'm not making an offer, right? That was not his style. And I think, uh, especially in this day and age, when, you know, so many young players in the league on entry-level contracts, they're so important now to roster makeup, you have to have good communication skills with these kids. Agreed. Yeah, so so Murph, obviously moving forward here, um, you know, Aquilina, I heard his comments, they're going to take their time on the GM. Uh, what's your opinion? Are the Sedins in the mix at all? Can we see the first co-GMs? Hank and Danny has co-GMs? Or or what's their role? What, what do you think moving forward? Who's Are they really going to take their time? I, I think so. I mean, I think he's probably learned from his errors. Um, I, I think the Twins are smart enough to know what they know and know what they don't know. And I think before they took these positions – they would have been worried about a position, uh, like a situation like this, where it's a month or two months of the season, Jim gets fired, and all of a sudden get elevated to roles they're not ready for, and then they wouldn't be able to succeed. So I'm sure that they probably had conversations saying, we don't want to be the GMs in the yeah. first or second year with this organization. That's not fair to the, the team and not fair to us. So you know, I think that we'll see their roles be elevated as we go along. Uh, but I really hope they get a president and a general manager. And if that means more like a younger progressive GM and an older president, a little bit like the Leafs have done, great, because then you, the president can, can manage up a bit with an ownership group that has been known to perhaps put the fingers in the pie a little bit, as some owners do. So if you have one guy that can be a buffer, talk to ownership, manage up, and have a GM that can work in tandem with that president and have a little bit more of a progressive look on the team, I think that would be the best. They have the money to do that, uh, but I hope that they – you know, I hope they take their time and, and just don't go hire Mark Bergevin now because he's out there because you can't repeat some of the mistakes you've just made. And, and that's a great idea. And from handling the media perspective, if you had a president and a GM, it would take off, you know, so much of having to answer the question as a general manager, you could put that plate on the president as well. Well, and that's, you know, that was a big problem here is that poor Travis Green got trotted out to, to speak on every issue of the team, the team catching COVID, who had to speak about it, Travis. Yeah. Uh, the sexual assault allegations about against Jake Vertanen, who had to talk about it? Travis. The slow start this year, who had to talk about it? Travis. Like, Jim's not a great person in front of the camera, so he was already reluctant to do it. And the ownership never does it because they don't want to. 
So a lot was put on Travis's shoulders, and I think that was probably a little bit unfair. The, the idea was when Jim was brought in that Lyndon was here too. Trevor was the forward-facing guy. He was the guy in front of the camera. He was the guy that would talk to the fan base. But when Jim and Trevor butted heads and ownership took Jim's side and Trevor said, I'm out, then they didn't have that guy they could put in front of the cameras that was polished and knew how to sell the message. Yeah, it's a great organization, yeah. though, and it's, it, you know, the legacy of it, you know, I think you're right. They should take their time, and there's a lot of great candidates out there. There will be with a little bit of, you know, time to sort through it all, and, you know, yeah. we always talk about the Montreal thing gets brought up a lot now and, and, yeah. and who's in line, but, you know, Bobby Lou. Bobby Lou would be a great, you know, fit maybe if he if he yeah. was accepting of the job, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, but a good young yeah. GM is, is exactly kind of what uh, I think Montreal could use. You know, for their fan base and for their younger players, a guy that they can relate to, and and uh, and Vancouver. Yeah, but, uh, but I will say this: as we talk about Green, I don't think Green lost a room. No, I mean the guys. There were still a few games. There's a few games lately that they got blown out in Colorado. That can happen to anyone, right? I mean Colorado. Yeah, they didn't play great in Pittsburgh. So there's a couple of games they didn't look ready for, but for the most part, they played super hard. They didn't get results. They lost a lot of one goal games. But you guys would know what it's like more than I. For the last couple of weeks, there's reports saying the search for a new coach has begun. Uh, the GM is out. And these guys are still playing games. And, and Travis is still talking to the press and still trying to you know, teach the players. Was well, a player like, what's going on here? Like, what's going to happen? Something's going to happen here. So you're not sure. And I don't know if you're not tuning out the coach, but I think it's, it, it's impossible not to take in the noise of what's going around. And that's going to get in the way of the coach's message once in a while, I think. Yeah, especially if there's a younger team, Murph. Especially if, like, uh, you know, a, a lot of guys, and I've been through, I think, two in-season coaching changes where you started to feel it coming, right? But as older guys, like, the message when you're, like, losing a few games is, is we need to be better. Or, listen, guys, we're right there. We're just losing these. Don't listen to the media. You need to have voices in there that say, that say like, guys – if we just continue to listen to the noise and lose games, this is going to be awful. We're, 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 we're done. But if we focus on like little things um, and put the noise of the media and like understanding that what Greener's going through, he's just, this is, this is the business. And we still need to fucking play hockey. It's, it's more of a, yeah. um, you know, what I think is just a younger, a younger crowd and them maybe not losing, not Greener losing the room, but them just not, understanding how to still go about business when this yeah. sort of thing goes on. Yeah. For me, Murph, it's just, it, it, it's, you know, I, I saw the development since Murph took over, right? Like, I mean, sorry, what since Greener took over, like when Greener took over, it was as an ex Canuck man, it was, it was a little bit fucking embarrassing at times to watch this team play. And I, and I saw where they, you know, where Greener brought them and the character and they, you know, they brought Miller in, like, in your opinion, you know, where they maybe never as good as I thought they were. And that whole bubble thing was the bubble. And, um, or did it just not, was Greener's structure not the right structure for this young kind of offensive-minded squad? I don't know. We'll find out. I mean, because Boudreaux is going to, you know, he's going to have some tactical changes. We already saw he's far more aggressive on the forecheck um, in his first game behind the bench, uh, far more aggressive on the uh, PK. I think he's going to give uh, a lot of ice time to his star players to see what they can do, what they can't do. Um I think Green coached the way he thought he had to coach this roster to win. And I think that was a little bit more defensive. I think it was probably right because um, the defense on this team has, has never been great. I mean, you got Quinn Hughes, who obviously is a star in the making, and he's getting better every game. Um, but 
God bless Luke Shen, but the last three or four games, like that was his defense partner. And this guy was number seven or eight when they signed him in the offseason. And now he's playing with your top guy. Um, you know, Ulrich Larson is a great offensive defenseman. He's playing on a shutdown pair with Tyler Myers, who's kind of another north-south kind of offensive defenseman. So there's just the pieces weren't fitting in the right slots with the defense right now. So I think I don't think Green was ever given a great roster to work with. I'll say this, like for the first three years of his tenure, he got more out of what he had. This was the first year that seemed like he got a little bit less out of what he had. And so maybe that was why he was kind of lumped yeah. in with GM when the changes were made. And Murph, you say they were playing hard. And, and listen, you're full of the team. And I've, I've always respected your opinion. When I watched them play, I thought at times they weren't playing hard enough, in my opinion. And I, I bring up Brock Besser is a kid that, listen, last year, he had an unbelievable year, right? The way he could shoot the puck. But when I watch him play, and you watch him play every night, and I, I don't see him every night, but I see him a lot. Like, there's a kid that, you know, like, get out of your comfort zone a little bit here. Like, you're, you're supposed to be one of the best players in the Canucks, and you continue to play on the outside. And I guess my question is, is there more to his game than what he's showing? Probably, you know, and I think it eats at some of these kids too. I know it does at Patterson um, and maybe because last year he looked well, he was, he was the best forward on the team last year. Right. Uh, in what was a terrible season. Uh, and he's a big kid. He can go, he can go to the tough areas. Uh, he's pretty strong on his skates. Uh, and I, I'll say a, a weight looked like it had been taken off the shoulders of a lot of players last night. Maybe that was situationally. Maybe that's because the shoe finally dropped and he was one of those guys. Um, and so maybe you'll see some increased confidence, but I think a lot of players and, and Besser included, uh, you know, didn't handle the first 25 games of the season very well. It, it got away from guys and they could never really get it back on the rails. You speak about weight off their shoulders. How is the captain, the young captain, Bo Horvat, who, who I think, you know, the bubble run that Obi mentioned, his play in the bubble run was, was some of the best hockey I've ever seen Bo Horvat play. Um, you know, last year, COVID, uh, you know, those th that break you guys had. Has he been able to, you know, focus on now, like, you know, helping this new team get to a new level? Or is has this whole thing been eating him up alive? I know a lot of young captains, like, really take pride yeah. in that. Yeah, no, I think it's it's been hard on him, too. I think that's why having someone and there was there was some reports there was friction in the locker room. And I'm sure when a team was seven out of 25 games, guys aren't happy. Guys are going to be yelling at each other. Like, I think that happens all the time. And you guys can tell me. I mean, guys are just going to be have honest, hard conversations if you don't think people are pulling their weight. But I think Bo welcomes a voice like Miller, who, like, because Bo kind of learned from the twins, right? More of a silent leader, tries to prove it on the ice. But then you have kind of this guy in Miller who's loud, boisterous, um, almost the exact opposite. So you have that kind of guy on his, you know, the devil on his shoulder that can be the vocal guy. So I think that's helped Bo a little bit. Uh, Bo had a tough start to the season, but I don't, I don't really worry about him. Uh, his effort's always there. I think he'll get his points. Uh, but you're going to have to make a choice on some of these players pretty soon. Uh, whatever the new GM is, if he decides it's got to be a bit of a rebuild, then all of a sudden you're making decisions on players <laughs> like Miller, who's got a year left, uh, uh, you know, Horvat, who's got a year left, Besser, who's owed a big qualifying offer at the end of the season. It's going to be super interesting to see how this uh, plays out from here on in. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up JT Miller-Murph because he's the one guy that I've watched this entire year. And, and every time I go on Sportsnet with, with uh, Randeep and Daniel, my two boys there, it's, I say, watch this kid play. He plays with fucking piss and vinegar. He plays with energy. Yeah, does he get mad sometimes? He does. 
But I just think if they had more guys like that competing, and I guess you've already talked on it, but, you know, he's on a one-year deal. Can you see him probably being out the door here before the deadline? Or it's a decision they're going to have to make, right? Well, yeah, if they, well, first things first. Like, yeah, he's, he, he does make some mistakes, but I think you live with that because of the way he plays, right? There's some boneheaded plays he makes uh, during games, pucks in the middle, like blind passes and stuff. But there's never questioning his effort, his desire, uh, you know, the, the burning desire to win. Like, this guy is all out all the time. And you can hear it on the ice, especially when there was no fans in the building, man. Like, uh, if there was a swear jar in the locker room, he would have filled that up a number of times. <laughs> yeah. um, so would we here at Missing Curfew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, seriously, that's one of those where, you know, I'd say this team, like, the playoffs are a pipe dream here. I mean, I, what it is now, they want these, like, Boudreaux wants the guys to start having fun again, win some games, get some confidence, believe in themselves. And if Boudreaux can get Besser and Pedersen and Horvat back on their game by the end of the season, going to the next season, he's done his job. Yeah. Right. Playoffs are probably, you know, way gone, but Miller think of what kind of haul you can get for this guy at the deadline. He'd still have a year left after this. He's playing 23 minutes a night. He plays in all situations. Uh, you can play him up and down the lineup center wing. This is a guy you paid a first for, and I think you get a first plus for him at the deadline. So it all comes down to the new president or GM, what vision they have. And if they think they have to do more like build the core around the age of Hughes and Pedersen and Demko and Hoaglander, that's kind of the, the age of the group that goes up. And then you add a Miller later on, a guy like him, then I think Miller's probably your biggest asset to trade away to get a first round pick uh, back. Yeah. And Murph, I wanted to ask one more thing about Greener. I forgot here. And you know what? I, I actually text this to him, you know, probably a year or two into his, you know, time as the Canucks head coach. And I said, Hey, are you, are you trying to be the Bill Belichick of the NHL? Right? Because the way he handled the media sometimes is he didn't want to give him a whole lot. Do you think that kind of hurt him at all with the guys, you know, like, cause listen, my time in Vancouver, I, I was lucky. We were good. And, the, and the, I loved dealing with the media. I wasn't head coach. I'm just saying, do you think that at all, if he would have showed more of his actual personality than just kind of stone cold face all the time, or am I reading into it too much? Maybe, right? Maybe, but you know, and again, remember the dress rooms are closed now too. So again, it's mainly him every day plus one or two select players. Um, and it's tough to be happy go lucky all the time yeah. when your team's losing. I will say this. He never tossed his players under the bus, right? He had every opportunity to a couple of times. He was a little hard on them or he'd say after the game, yeah, I thought he was okay. And that's about as harsh as he would get on a player. And so he never tossed those guys under the bus when he probably could have on numerous occasions. Uh, so he ate it for them. Uh, but yeah, you know, the guy's got a great sense of humor. Yeah. He's cutting, he's funny, yeah. he's, you know, and we saw that a lot. Um, but I think he dealt with the media the best way he knew how in this market. He gave us glimpses of it, right, of his personality every now and then. Uh, but I think he probably, you know, I don't know if it would have been better for him if he did more, but just, you know, two press conferences of Boudreaux already. And he's got, you know, a lot of the media eating out of his hands because he's just so funny. He's like, he yeah. looks like an unmade bed up there. And he <laughs> it's hilarious. And, right. And he's just, he says funny things. Like, I don't know if you like the, the game against Los Angeles, the crowd started chanting Bruce. There it is. Like, whoop, there it yeah, is. Yeah. The old tag team song. And then they asked about it today. He goes, yeah, people were texting me that. He goes, but if we lose the next one, it's going to be Bruce. There he goes. So like, <laughs> he's already like, he's, he's already dropping one liners in, in the press conferences and, and it's a bit of a fre uh, breath of fresh air. And this is coming from someone that really got along with Green. Yeah. Yeah, you need that. And that's I think you need that yeah. in a new coach, especially in, in turmoil times like this. It's like, just let these kids, you know, 
let them have fun. Do you right think? Do Bring you out th- the best. Yeah, do you, I agree. Sorry. Do you, do you think? And listen, I drank the Kool-Aid on the Ekman Larson Garland trade. I sent out a tweet and I had people in Vancouver coming back at me being like, Obi, you're a fucking idiot. Are you kidding? These are too bad. Another bad contract. We just got rid of them. I guess, Murph, do you think that deal put too much unrealistic pressures on Jim and Travis? Like, do you think if Jim had a mulligan, he maybe wouldn't have made that deal just because maybe his team was as good as he thought? I think that he was going to make, he wanted to make that deal a year ago. Oh, he did. I think he's making this deal because um, he thought that was the best way for his team to have success. And he's thinking about his job security too, right? So it was a make or break for him and it ended up breaking him. I, I, I kind of say, like, I was very skeptical skeptical about Ekman Larson and it still will be. What has he got seven years left at, you know, they're paying $7 million a year. They did just get out of that anchor contract with Erickson. Yeah. Those are tough ones to recover from. Um, but again, he has been better than I thought he would be. And they've put him in the tough minutes situation. Um, and so he has been just fine. But in two, three years, this is not a contract you can trade, right? So uh, if you can keep this up for three, four years, I would say that's a big win on that trade. Garland has already been, uh, you know, he's maybe their most consistent forward right there with Miller right now. Uh, he's been excellent. And I think that contract is full value for, you know, four more years after this one. Yeah, Garland's been unbelievable. He I plays like hard. That. He goes to dirty areas. He goes to the net. He competes. Um Murph, the fan base. Listen, I, you know, my two years in Vancouver, the fans were unbelievable. We had great teams. We won our division. You've been around the Canucks for a long time. What's the feel in the city? Um, you know, we saw them touch, you know, tossing jerseys on the ice the other night, which I didn't like as an ex-Canuck. I mean, uh, I don't think you should do that. But what's the feel in the city? What do these fans want next, Murph? Well, I think they got what they wanted. Yeah. Right. I mean, you saw the jersey was on the ice, the fire banning chance. The last time that happened, it was Fire Gillis, and that's when the ownership finally made the move. Right. When you see your season ticket buyers doing this, that's when you know things have gone too far. It happened again, uh, so they made the move. Last night was the most positive night on Canucks Twitter I've seen in eight years. Right. <laughs> yeah, it gets a little dicey. It gets a little dicey on Canucks Twitter. Right, I'm not gonna lie. If you go Ever in there, you gotta wear your mouth guard, right? Like it's it's nasty in there, and so I think I think it's it's about it. They know the season's done, but I I think they feel like it's a breath of fresh air. Uh, the move, the management move, especially, is the one that had to be made. It's finally been done, and now there's you know, they kind of see a path forward to get out of what has been pretty much you know seven eight years of darkness. Aside from having like guys win rookie of the year two three years and be finalists in a row, so. Uh, right now the fan base is happy that can change in a second when Boudreaux puts, uh, you know, pod Colson on the bench for too long, but for now the fans are happy. That's good. Yeah, that's good. I mean, it, it is what it is. Um, Murph, we appreciate you taking time, buddy. We know you're busy. I love the telecast. Shorty and John Garrett are still calling a nice game. It's supposed to be short house. He's a beauty. Um, are, have you been getting out on the road at all or no? Yeah. Yes. We did the first, uh, 10, 10 games on the road. Now my next like seven or eight. So if the, if we're doing remote bar crest, uh, Cheech and Shorty are in this office. I'm actually in Toronto at the studio. So I'm on the road all the time, whether it's at the rink or not. Uh, oh, wow. But so like the next, we missed the Florida trip, unfortunately, but we have the New York trip coming up uh, sometime in the new year. So I think it's going to work out to be about half games from Toronto and half from the actual road city. So, so if you don't go on the road, then you fly to the studio in Toronto and, and work from there. Yeah. Oh, so wow. there's a game next week. In San Jose, a one-off. They fly down and fly back. I thought of Toronto and do the game and come back, which makes a lot of sense. <laughs> do you but. get to see Juice at least when he's there? Is he there when you're there? Or he's I'm going to see him, uh, not that one, but we're there on a, on a, 
another one, a one-off where he's going to be on a Saturday and I'm there on a Saturday afternoon game. So I'm going to force him to come in and work on my broadcast too. Peter Gurgis will be getting a text that night. Oh yeah, Peter, go to Marble. He'll be all fired up, right? <laughs> He'll be all fired up. So uh, Murph, thanks buddy. You're a beauty. We love you here, fellow. We appreciate you taking your time. Uh, we'll try to get up to Vancouver the new year. Maybe, maybe, maybe we should maybe yeah. slide up there. Yellow town's back humming, right? Everything's humming. Uh, yeah, it is. I'm an old man now. I'll get out once in a while, but it's humming. And, and before I go, boys, yeah. just want to say sorry on the loss of your brother there. I didn't know Broadway, but from all the tributes I've poured in, I sure wish I did. It seemed like a beauty. So I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you. And, uh, thank you. He sure was. Yeah, well said, Murph. Yeah, so thanks. thank you, buddy. Good luck the rest of the way. We'll be watching and we appreciate you coming on. All right, boys. Keep up the good work. Thanks, pal. Up dog Murph. He's a beauty, eh? He's a beauty. I uh I first met him actually at I, we didn't get to talk about this, but uh, Blaine Stewart, our boy Stewie, yeah. who helped make our t-shirts. Stewie. And we got a fucking... Uh, we got to get some new merch, eh? Yeah, the fans, to all you fans out there who ordered the your shirts. The fans have spoken. They're coming. <laughs> the boat's on the water. They got all our t-shirts in them. It's coronavirus a production falls. supply issue. Um, anyway, Stewie, um, Tyler Belk. And Murph were really good buddies when Belker played, played for, for yeah. the Canucks. And uh, Belker and Stewie are best boys. And and so I got to meet Murph at Warehouse, actually, on Granville. That's just a, up the that street. was a spot. And we had a couple pints, and we shared some laughs. And that was way – that was maybe 12 years ago. So this was – you know, uh, it was a pipe dream for me to ever go to PTO in Vancouver and let alone get Murph yeah. there. So uh, great personality. It, what a pro. Guy's a pro. I mean, he knows that team inside and out, just like you, but. He, uh, yeah, he gave I me. I think like, they should hire you. He'd <laughs> be a good GM. I think the the history of my uh, shenanigans. How's your relationship with the Aquilinis? I don't think great because Rusty's, ever tell Rusty's my, is great. Did I ever tell you my story about the Aquilinis? Hey. I get traded from Tampa to Vancouver. I don't even know who the fucking Aquilinis are. I got no idea who they are. Yeah. Me and Welly, fucking Welly. Welly. Welly's already been on the team. He knows who the Aquilinis Kyle are. Kyle Wellwood, beauty. We're at the Roxy. People are going to love this anytime I bring up the Roxy. Me and Welly are at the Roxy. We're living at the hotel together. I'm like, let's get out of the hotel room and go for one. So we go for dinner and get in one. The one of the Aquilinis, he likes to go to the roller. He mixes it. So he's he's at the fucking Roxy, and he walks right by me. And I'm like, I kind of like big league him a little bit. And fucking <laughs> don't think anything of it. And then he leaves. And then as he left, Welly's like, uh, you know who that was, right? I'm like, no, who was it? He's like... That's Francesco Aquilini. That's yeah. the owner of the Canucks. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, why did you not fucking tell me that before, you dumb fuck? He's like, well, I thought you knew. I'm like, I've been here for a week. I haven't met him. I don't, I don't yeah, know who. Yeah. I don't know who. That's he an was. honest so, mistake. So the boys, well, he goes in and tells the boys the next day. Mitchie and Cass and they were loving it. <laughs> They're loving it. like, fuck the new guy, big league, the owner. So, um, Murph, biggest compliment for Murph is listen in, in a Canadian market like that. Guys are weasels at times. Yeah. Right, they're looking for the next story. Yeah. And listen, Murph's got a great gig at Sportsnet. But my point being, Uppy is the players always trust him. You know, he he was honest with me throughout my time. Anytime I had a question for him, he was good to me. He's good to any of the players. He does his job right, uh, and the boys trust him. So he he's a beauty, um, absolute pro. So thanks to Murph for coming on, Up Dog. Are you driving the U-Haul up to Aspen? I'm fucking when, picking it when, up right now. <laughs> when do you leave? I don't know. <laughs> I got some business to take care of here first. Uh, if, but uh, I'm actually, I just dropped the, the, I dropped the truck off to get the fucking hitch put on. And now I'm picking up the trailer and I'm going to bring it home and <laughs> in goes the furniture. <laughs> and then we'll see. My dog's got the shit. So, if, so if my dog feels better, then we're going. You're putting the U-Haul attached to the SUV. Yeah. 
and you're just going going 12 hours now shot. do you have a, a a game plan of the map where you're stopping or are you just it's going straight full newfie 12 hours pissing in a bottle away i go that's it are you gonna piss in a bottle yeah. no you can pull over i guess oh i mean are you giving it like are you trying to do it in like a good I'll time do it in a day a day one day do you 12 know? hours it's not bad no where no, do you go like through like through vegas or no you, go, you go up through utah in fact probably max and binger know where where to go just right through utah straight shot Straight through Salt Lake? Through Grand Junction and yeah, yeah, yeah. Salt Lake. It's not, not a bad one. It's not a bad little city. Um, I don't know when it's going to get a little sticky. And by sticky, I mean Still, snowy. When you hit those fucking Rocky Mountains, it's going to get real fucking sticky. Hey, listen, I, a bit of advice. When you get past Denver and you're you're doing the final stretch. No, Denver's past Aspen. I oh, come it is. in the back end of her. Oh, I come you up come the rear end. The, the arse side of her. Yeah. Well, anyways, get a coffee in you before you hit those Rockies, eh? Because, like, that John Denver's full of shit, man. If my dog feels better, I might leave at, like, 4.30 in the morning this morning. Well, listen, drive safe, all right? Yeah, yeah. Drive safe. Um, I we, just got to get the, the truck up there. For we the, need you. We need you. We need you. We don't need you getting in an accident or anything like that. So drive safe. Thanks, bud. Um, yeah, buddy. And we'll be back next week, obviously. Be back next week. We got a big show next week. And uh, for all our listeners out there, uh, tune in to our YouTube, our Spotify, and iTunes. You can find us on there, listen to us on there, or watch us. Leave a rating, leave a review. It's Christmas time, so you know any little help from Santa's little helpers will uh, will help us be jolly old Christmas. Yeah, Christmas is coming. I'm going to drink. Whole, I'm out of here on December 17th, flying home to see the fam. We'll talk about that next week, but I'm going to drink some Crown Royal over the holidays. Crown, Crown. That's my holiday drink, Crown Royal. So we'll talk about that next week. Up dog, drive safe. Maxi Binger, shout out to Murph again. That was missing curfew. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.